Hello. This is the 39th episode of the Fun Filter Podcast. Ding a ling a ling a ling a ling. Hello. I don't know, the Christmas bells. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to or back to the Fun Filter Podcast. I am Sam and I'm, I am joined. And I am joined as ever by Jordan. Hello. Hi. Ching, ching. Uh, yeah, how do you do a Christmas bell? Uh, Sleigh bells, they've got like that. Yeah, yeah. It just sounds vaguely racist. Ching, 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 Exactly, yeah. And we're off already. Alrighty. This is our first episode without Eddie. It is. The first episode of the new and improved Fun Filtered. Well, okay. You won't mind. You don't care. Uh, it's not the first episode we've ever recorded without him, but it's the first knowing he will never come back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never say never, but no, uh, no. yeah, that's definitely our... Yeah. It's been a turbulent old time for Funfilter, is not it? It has. Um, obviously, Eddie announced to us, kind of out of the blue, that he was going to have to step away from the podcast. Yeah. I am now working full-time nights mm-hmm. in a supermarket, so I suddenly have absolutely no time whatsoever. I'm yeah. either working or asleep. Yep. Um, things haven't changed for you at all. No, I am the um, inert constant. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you need that though. I suppose you do. Yeah. I suppose you do. But yeah, things are a little bit all over the place at the moment. But we're yeah. hoping to try and yes do something. Well, it's it's the first Sans Eddie, and like I said, it's the it's the first time we recorded knowing he won't be coming back. So maybe our tone will be laden with that. <laughs> Uh, kind of ominousness. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, we're also recording a lot later than we usually do. Yeah, it's the first time it's been dark while yeah. we were recording a podca- podcast for quite a long time. Yes, yeah, last year. I yeah. Think. Remember yeah. when we used to do these podcasts in the dark with the lights out? Yeah, that, they were good. They were good. Were they? Yeah. They felt, they, they felt different. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Maybe the, the nascency of it. Like we were on the first rung of a ladder. Yeah. Maybe is that what it was? Yeah, the very early podcasts when we were recording on a phone. Mm. It was just us sitting around the same table, but we usually recorded. We kind of made a day of it before and recorded in the evening. Yes. Um, back when this was special. Back when, that's, yeah, back when it felt special, not like a goddamn job. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and like for the Halloween episode and stuff, just for our own amusement, we turned the lights off. Yeah, lent it a... Uh, a something, a frisson, I think, <laughs> having the lights off. Yeah. But especially with a um, a pansexual in the room. <laughs> but, anything uh, could anything happen. Anything could happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, now we just, you know, we clock in <laughs> in the afternoon. We do it and then we, you all go home. Yeah. That's so how we do it. But no, yeah, we're doing this at, what time is it now? Like 11 o'clock? It's pretty much, maybe. yeah. Um, if we sound a little bit more Radio 4 um, yeah, a little, little more, more like, DJ. now, yes. yeah. now this will happen. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's the energy that we naturally, you know. Naturally I was going to say, we're, we're hardly Radio 1. Oh, Radio no. two. Which one's the energy? Which one's the energetic one? Yeah, yeah, Radio 1, Radio. Heart, that sort of thing. Yeah. Whenever I do the Radio 1 thing on this podcast mm. to introduce it or whatever, I get exhausted instantly. <laughs> so I don't know how they do it. Uh, yeah, no, this is, we are definitely, are we midnight DJs? Because I don't think we're relaxing. No. <laughs> so We argue too much to be uh, yeah. like DJs. Maybe it was, was soporific yeah. in a way, but through being tedious, not by being soothing. Mm. So I don't know. Yes. What do you think, listeners? Where do we belong? 
maybe this maybe this will get you yeah responding to us in the comments will anyone ever resp- post a comment will anyone ever do that i mean like sheer odds right sheer yeah. like persistence and yeah. perseverance and just yeah you know the the, the 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 what's the percentage what's the fraction um of the chance of the universe existing it's like oh my, i can't remember the, point the zero number. zero like a bill- oh it's infinitely yeah it's like a billion tiny. zeros yeah, point yeah. one yeah yeah it's like if the universe can exist surely yeah. someone will comment on our video someday <sighs> or is that just asking for too much on top of an impossibility i think yeah it's um because you know any physicist will tell you that they have to account for the possibility that realistically anything can happen yeah um all of a sudden dragons might start existing yes but but is there a point where it's like well anything can't happen on top of anything else yeah like only so many anythings can happen i suppose it would be the same odds as so the odds of the existence beginning yeah the odds of it all just stopping in the next second now Mm. that those are the odds of someone commenting if we just cut the podcast there (laughs) like that's the end of the video (laughs) yeah um what are we going to talk about on this shall we do actually i was i was going to do the coming up yeah but how about Mm. we record the coming up at the end of the podcast that sounds like a good idea and then put it earlier on because not only will it be better for us because we can do our usual rambly yeah like oh maybe this will go somewhere we won't be breaking any promises yeah Yeah. it'll be an accurate reflection (laughs) because we'll already know what kind of tangents and bullshit we've talked about so the listeners are about to experience some kind of unknown time travel. Yeah. They're about to hear something we haven't recorded yet. Yes. Right um, now. Now. So coming up on today's episode... A question about a dog. <laughs> <laughs> we do a review of the new Spongebob film and also Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. I talk about the League of Gentlemen and uh, the censorship of the modern age. Um, I bring up I'm a celebrity to get me out of here briefly. We talk about the election a bit. American one. Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson come up. There is a sort of review, but not really, of Uncle Frank. And then we, we review Fat Man, the film, not the Jordan. <laughs> I knew you would fucking do that. Um, Who knows what we just said? <laughs> Who knows? So that's what's coming <laughs> that's up. That's what's coming up. On the podcast. Where did that phrase come from? What, coming up? Coming up. I don't. What do you mean? Because it's not like. Surely that implies that, like, the future is beneath us (laughs) like things are coming up to the present the future is beneath us i I think that's what every teenage suicide is written written in their journal yeah yeah but yeah like surely it's like okay like everything that's going to happen is like below us then it comes up to where we are and then everything that has happened like keeps going up the present is terra firma yeah and the future is yeah. The present is rising. The present is ground zero. That's like ground yeah, level, yeah. and then everything else is just above. Coming up, I mean, yeah. Either it's emerging subterranea, yeah, or it's approaching from the horizon. Well, that's what it implies, right? That's yeah. the generally accepted uh, narrative when it comes to time. Obviously, time travel media fucks with it a lot, mm. but it's like time is like a, a, a linear line. Yes, and we are traveling. Yes, we are beads being thread across the latitude of time. Yes. That's what time travel is. Yeah, so coming up, it's it's not really a description of what the thing is doing. Mm. It's a description of what we are doing in relation to it. We, we are, are approaching it, therefore it is coming up. 
Right. Right. But again, anything that's in the future, because we are hurtling through time and space. Yeah. We are approaching it. It's not approaching us. Well, maybe it's a cultural thing. Um, but like, like I said, when you're sort of moving across that lateral mm. line that is time. Yeah. You're moving from left to right. Right. That's yes. The, yeah. That's how most timelines are drawn, left to right. Yeah. So there's no up or down. There's only side to side. Yeah, it's flat. Yeah. Yeah. Time's a flat circle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's true detective, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know where the up comes into it. Well, it's coming up, just colloquially. Don't lean too much on the upness of it. But, but Coming up just means it's approaching. But no, because like coming, that's fine. Yeah. Something is coming. It is like... So it should be coming at? Coming suppose, at you? yeah. Why up? Because if you're just like, if you're thinking like back to when that term was coined, mm. just like, oh, maybe they're just describing physically what's happening. Yes. But it's not, the thing is not going up. It's getting bigger but because it, it's approaching. But, but by nature of perspective, it it would be coming up. Not really. Imagine if like, well, look, look at that TV over in the corner of the room. Yeah. As we approach it, it doesn't ascend. It just gets bigger. It depends on where your vantage point. Well, if we were smaller than the TV, yeah, it would get bigger the closer we got to it. Yeah, it gets bigger, but that doesn't mean it's ascending, does it? It would in your perspective, wouldn't it? Because well, when you're walking you, towards something, yeah. it gets higher in your field of vision. But it also gets lower, right? In what way? Well, we're far enough away from the TV that we can see every... Right, so if the, yeah, if the thing is beneath your head height, yeah, then yeah, it's going to get smaller, I suppose. Yes. Or like, yeah, lower down. But if your vantage point is like you are... Like your eye level with the center of the TV. Yes. Then the TV is going to ascend and descend and move outwards. Yeah, yeah. It's in gonna, equal parts. It's going to expand. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the up is not. There's no so point. What's the, but there's no point say, emphasizing the up because the up is just one facet. You can't say coming out, can you? No. Well, it's not doing that either. Coming out. Well, it is. It's coming every, towards. It's out in every direction from your Surely perspective. Surely it'd just be coming towards us on today's show. Or coming at you, I, th- I yeah, suppose. coming yeah. at you on today's show. Well, you do get that as well, coming at you. Yeah, but that's seen as like a coming at you, like yeah. it's a, someone trying Cleopatra to be, coming at you. Yeah, yeah, someone trying to be like cool hip. and like yeah, hip. Uh, yeah, uh, but what are we going to talk about? <laughs> what is coming up? Well, that's, well, no, we've already no, done we've that. done the coming up, but yeah. we don't actually know what's coming. Oh right, up. okay. Um, do you have items? Sort of. Okay, is there one that you want to start with? Um. I got a question then. Okay. So if you were walking in the street. Okay. And you encountered a dog. Yes. Who'd been hit by a truck. Oh dear. Right? His guts are spilling out of its ripped stomach. I see. Okay. Okay. Why ripped? Surely the truck would what? Just flatten it. No, it, like it bursts its stomach. Right, okay. So it's like ripped. So what did this truck do to this dog? Just run over it. Yeah. I don't think a truck would flatten a dog. Oh, it would flatten a bit. It'd be like Rango, wouldn't it? Where it's like... Remember I the, don't know. I, have, I can't remember right now. Oh, there's like a bit where like an armadillo was run over. All right. And just the middle of him with the tire has gone through. Okay. It's just completely flat. Right. That is a cartoon. It is a cartoon. Yes. So that does happen. Yeah. But mostly I would say, right, it just kind of splits something. Something's got to give. Yeah. It wouldn't flatten you out like a pancake. Well, certain bits of you, yeah. I always wonder, you know, you see in films sometimes like when someone's crushed beneath... A shipping container. Yeah. I've always wanted to see what happens when you lift it up. <laughs> yeah. Like what's left. It would probably just be like this, like, red paste, right? This yeah, crimson paste. It'd be, it'd be bone, it'd be, you know, I wonder what it would actually look like. 
Yeah, oh, actually, it, yeah, the bone is. Yeah, would it be all crushed down? Would you know how bad would it be? Must be. Yeah, bones aren't that strong, surely. No, no. Yeah. So yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. But um, let's see so if you've got any yeah. any links for us. <laughs> I don't know. So if you saw a dog like that, okay, right, it's <laughs> it's alive still, right? Um, would you put it out of its misery? Okay, what um happened in your life recently that you came yeah. to this? I have no idea. Okay. I've no idea, but I just thought I, I I think. Are you testing to see if I'm not if I haven't fallen prey to the cats, the psychopath? That I'm yeah, that I'm not a cat person all of a sudden. No, it's not that. I don't know. I think I must have seen something. I just wondered, would I do it? Would <laughs> I, I saw that exact scenario. I was like, I wonder if I would get involved. <laughs> would I kill the dog? So that's the first question. Okay. Would you kill the dog? I mean, it depends entirely on its state, doesn't it? Oh, it's in a terrible state, you Well, I know it probably. Yeah, it's not doing yeah. great. Um, but yeah. there's going to be like, there's probably a very thin line between there being no saving the dog and there might be a chance. Oh, there's no saving this dog. Okay, that's clear. Like if it just went, if it just goes over the dog's back end or its back legs right. or something. No, its stomach is ripped open. Oh right, okay. Yeah. yeah, there's not much. There might not be much we can do. For no, it. it's palliative. Yeah, but so would you kill the dog? Well, I don't want to say on this podcast. Yes, I would kill a dog. Okay. But also, I wouldn't... Um, you wouldn't not kill the dog. I, well, I, I wouldn't want it to suffer. So you would kill the dog. What's the right answer here, Sam? Well, I'm inferring, because you said that you you actually wouldn't want it to suffer, and you just don't want to say that you kill a dog. Yeah. So I'm inferring that you would kill the dog. Well, that's, uh, that's uh, on you, I suppose. Well, I kind of need your answer either way for the next question. Okay. Well, assume I've answered. What's the okay. next question? How? How would you kill it? Oh, I see. Okay. Because I was thinking that like people are put out of its misery and they've always got a shotgun or something in a, you know, on the farm. <laughs> yeah. How would you go about it if you just had your bare hands? What would you do to kill the dog? Would you would you would you Christopher Multisanti it, or would you? What did he? Oh, he sat on the dog. Did he? Oh no, I wasn't thinking. About, I was thinking about when Tony, how Tony kills Chris. He asphyxiates him on his own blood. Doesn't oh he? yes, yes he does. Um, would you do that? But spoilers for the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like twenty years. Or would you just punch its head in? Would <laughs> Like the in-between us with the fish? I mean, it's already do? suffering at this point. There's, like, not much... Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be in much more pain, could it? Okay. If no. its, like, stomach had been ripped open. Yeah. Like if so it doesn't matter what you like do. Like, punching the dog is an incredibly visceral image. <laughs> but it would probably yeah. be hurting you more it than dis- the dog. It'd be a nice distraction, if anything, for the dog. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, getting oh, punched in the yeah. face now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank God. I'm not feeling my guts yeah. anymore. Yeah. I'm just feeling this person punching me in the face. Yeah. Um... Snap its neck, or do you do? See, I wouldn't. I wouldn't snap its neck because I'm always worried about that. Doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously in the film, is everyone just knows how to snap yeah. necks, yeah. just yeah. and it's yeah. done. But I'm sure yeah. you do that with enough force. Oh, I don't know actually. Sufficient force. I don't think technique matters much, right? Okay. So if you do just violently, as hard as you can, you probably are going to do terrible damage to somebody. Yeah. Not like in the films where it's just like a swift turn to the left and they're dead. All yes. Of a sudden. Um, but yeah I would always freak out by getting it wrong like I, I would just hurt the dog and like yeah. expose a nerve or something yeah well, without, it's like its head is facing the wrong way but it's still very much alive <laughs> yeah um, yeah so how, what would you do what would be your quick thing <laughs> for getting rid of it I'm just thinking what do I usually have at my disposal like assuming I'm just out a in lighter town. oh I don't anymore I don't, yeah, I, you don't, don't anymore. I don't have matches yeah. I don't have lighters or anything like that if I'm just out walking in town yeah my keys I've got I've got a wallet. Yeah. Got my phone. Yeah. And like headphones. Yeah. 
and then my body. That's pretty much, that's usually what I have. Yeah, so you, you, you really, either you use your key to shiv it to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so given the damage it's sustained, probably isn't going to do all that much. No. So yeah, shiving it with a key. These tiny little puncture holes in the dog's neck. Yeah. <laughs> or, I don't know, like show an image on the phone that compels it to go towards the light quicker. <laughs> I don't know, I would just, I would play a song, a nice... <laughs> A nice song for it to hear as I killed it. Um, uh, you're, talk- you're talking with your bare hands. Really, yeah. So. What's a good um, dog dying to song? Good, well, there are songs about dogs who die. Oh, they? okay. Um, old Chap. Oh, yeah. 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 You don't want that, really. No, but well, I suppose the, the, the question that I should have asked is... Maybe not that I should have asked, but... Songs that you would play as a person died. Are yes. dogs worthy of those songs? Or do you reserve those songs for people dying? What songs do you play when people die? I don't know. Just think of a film that's played a song as a person dies. It's usually score, isn't it? Yeah. A song, I don't know. Who let the dogs out by the bar? <laughs> for people dying now. <laughs> for Not for dying. the dog dying. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of... I wouldn't want a, a melancholy song as I died. I'd want something that was... Um, incongruous. Okay. You know? Like triumphant or... It's kind of like, oh, what? Interesting. What a bizarre like, choice. Um, was it NWA? Yeah. Like, exactly. One yeah, of yeah. their songs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, how would you kill this dog? It would probably have to be just with my body, right? Sit on it. Well, I wasn't implying <laughs> that, Sam. Well, what do you mean by your body then? Yeah, probably like strangle it or... <laughs> Yeah. Or just, I don't know. Maybe if I just sort of kick it with my foot, eventually the body will just break apart. Just break apart. And it'll just, like, yeah. die. What would, What about shoving your key through its eye? No, that wouldn't that wouldn't kill it at all, would it? I thought it depends how long your key is, I suppose. It was not very long. I'll yeah. show you my key now. Okay. Like the longest key that I have is probably that key. Ah, uh, okay, Like, that's okay. not it's going... a tiny car yeah, key. That's yeah. not going through a dog's eye into its brain. No, no. That's just, like... Damaging the eye. It's just stabbing an eye. Yeah, that's yeah. just like insult yeah. to injury. <laughs> yeah. What about through its ear? Would that be a quicker route? Oh, it might be. Yeah. Because dogs have big ears as well, don't <laughs> they? Imagine the image of a dog that's dying <laughs> and a compassionate crowd gathering around it. Yeah. And then a guy's very confidently <laughs> leaning down, like stroking the dog, <laughs> just shoving a key through its ear. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got, I got this, guys. <laughs> I got this. Okay. Um... That's it. Just, really, just the the idea as well that the crowd is just like he's doing the right thing. <laughs> it's just constantly stabbing yeah. his dog. Okay, I think I've got the answer to my question. Okay, um, you've seen films that I haven't. I have. Do you want to review one of them? Okay, I'll do that. Um, one of the films that I saw that you haven't. Yeah, is SpongeBob. Okay, the Quest for Time. Uh, How many SpongeBob no, films are there now? It's not called The Quest for Time at all. What the fuck's it called? <laughs> the only one I know is... Um, what's it? I can't even remember what it's called. Squid... Pants Out of Water. No. Sponge, <laughs> sponge, sponge Out of Water. Sponge Out of yeah, Water. Yeah. That was the last one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sponge Out of Life? Sponge Out of Life. Does sponge, he die in the film? No. It's uh, Sponge on the Run. That's what it's called. Sponge on the Run. Sponge on the Run. Okay. It's a bit like... Because I think the uh, the original title for this film was It's a Wonderful Sponge. Right. Which is not only a shit pun. Yeah. But it's not really reflective of the film. It's a sponge, spongeful life. It's a spongeful, yeah. spongeful life. Yeah. It's a bit difficult. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's 
better yeah. than what the but even those but even that's like sponge on the run even that's not really ro- it's more appropriate mm. but it's not quite reflective of yeah the content of the film uh spoilers um patrick and spongebob get arrested in the film right but they they get arrested they're held in prison yeah and then they go straight to trial they're never on the run okay right so what's the um you might have to give me a bit of an education vis-a-vis spongebob well i don't know what the canon of spongebob is yeah. i don't know whether it's a case of like everything is somewhat loosely connected or okay. if it's like most sitcoms where it's sort of it's the same characters in the same locations but everything kind of exists in a vacuum okay like episode to episode it doesn't really matter yeah because there have been three spongebob films but they're all like the first one i think was its own thing the second one was also its own thing yeah like this film has no connection to the prior film okay and the animation style is completely different. Okay. Um, and yeah, it doesn't seem to be informed by anything that's happened. Is the, Was the last film the one that was partly live action? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Whereas this is completely sort of... It's a weird animation. It's sort of like a more cartoony Lego movie. Okay. Where it feels like they've tried to go for like a stop motion style animation, but it's very clearly animated. Okay. There's like the main villain of this film, I suppose. Yeah, he is the main villain, is uh, King Neptune. Right. Uh, and he looks like an Aardman character. Okay. Just straight up looks like he's from an Aardman movie. Yeah. Whereas SpongeBob and Patrick, they're, they're a little bit more stretchy and like yeah. out there in terms of their designs. Okay. Um, yeah, I was never a SpongeBob convert. I remember when. Like, I remember it starting, you know? I don't feel like... Obviously, I guess we were seven or eight, maybe, when it started. Well, Spongebob showed on Nickelodeon, Yeah, it? It's always been on Nickelodeon. Um, and I didn't get Sky until I was in secondary school, I yeah. think. So I sort of missed Spongebob by that time. All the kids knew Spongebob. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, that's the thing. I, when I was... I remember, you know, when I was a very young baby, Teletubbies preceded me. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered the invention of the tweenies and thinking... Oh, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh, thanks. I remember... (laughs) uh, Well, that's the thing. Like, you're, like, what, 10 months? No, not 10 months. You're a few months older than me. Yeah, like, nine. Eight, eight, nine. Yeah, but it's only months. It's not years. Yeah, So the fact that you remember and I don't shows just how important those months were, I I think they are, though, aren't they? Literally, like, when you're that age, it does make a difference. Um, Like, I might remember some things that you wouldn't... Mm. Um, because of the cognitive development sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I I remember the tweenies... Well, okay, I remember the tweenies being on TV and thinking, that's new. Okay. Um, And feeling like I was too old for it. Right. When it came on TV. Okay. SpongeBob, I remember, yeah, being about seven or eight when becoming aware of that. And I think all the kids liked it. I also felt I was too old for it. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, it became clear that Spongebob was popular among adults. Yes. As well as children. Hangover television, I think it's been described as. You watch it like the night after you've been drinking or the night after you've sobered up from like weed or whatever. It's like, I just need something weird and sort of there to sort of, you know, that I can just mong out to. Right. All of the energy is over there, so I don't have to have any energy. Yes. I think that's... The appeal of Spongebob. It externalizes a come down. <laughs> yes. Kind of, yeah. It's yeah. always been very strange, Spongebob. Um, the one one of the episodes that I remember is, like, the I, th- I think it's the gorilla episode, where they're being chased by a live-action gorilla Okay, through Spongebob. It does that a lot as well. It sort of breaks down 
Like there are yeah. like live action elements within the show, mm-hmm. and there's also um, I th- oh, I knew the word until I needed to say it. Okay. There's a specific technique in animation where um, it's a Japanese word. Can't remember what it's called, mm. but basically, animation will suddenly become the animation will suddenly become a lot more detailed, right, and a lot smoother. I know exactly what to you're emphasize about. certain aspects, uh, like um, it, like close up of his eyes. When, yeah, like, and yeah. it's incredibly detailed. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. SpongeBob does that a lot as well, yeah. and also gross. It's kind of there's a lot of gross out humor in SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is any more. Mm-hmm. Um, you sort of get it with memes, like Stickman memes, and like the last panel will be like eyes, yeah, that suddenly like detailed. all of the wrinkles yeah, under yeah. his eyes. Yeah, it's that kind yeah. of yeah. SpongeBob in a way is kind of a progenitor to a lot of yeah. meme. Po- there are loads of memes like circulating around the internet that are SpongeBob stills. Yeah, yeah, yes. So the films, I think the first film was created by the original creator mm-hmm. and then these second two films are not they're sort of doing their own thing but i i think the second one was very well received i liked the second okay. one sponge out of water i liked that mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why i watched this one right because i liked that one and i thought oh this will be another one yes <laughs> you know I, I could enjoy this um i don't know if i've just grown up too much in right. the past five years okay. since the last film um it doesn't feel like it's doing that much different, but also I, yeah, I did. I wasn't taken by it. Okay. Basically, the story is SpongeBob is SpongeBob. He's you know living his life. He's mm-hmm. being the the not the sous chef, the fry, fry chef. cook, fry yeah, cook yeah. Uh, at the Krabby Patty, and you know everything's going well. And then his snail Gary mm. gets kidnapped. Right. So he and Patrick go on a road trip to get his snail back. They meet Keanu Reeves. Right. Who's a, a tumbleweed. Okay. And then he sort of like gets them to go on this spirit quest. Right. To which they sometimes like obey him and sometimes they don't. Right. It's it's SpongeBob and Patrick. Yeah. So, you know, they're idiots. Uh-huh. Um, and then eventually they end up at, um, I forget the name of it, but it's basically the, the this sort of Las Vegas-like setting where King Neptune is set up okay. shop. And they realize that King Neptune has kidnapped Gary because the... Um, not the semen. I was going to say semen. <laughs> the what the the slime right. of a snail yes. keeps him looking young. Okay, and Gary is like the last snail in the land. Right. Okay. Um, King Neptune is voiced by Matt Berry. Ah, okay. So as soon as I found that out, I was in. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm completely with you because he was in the last film as well. He he cameoed as um, Bubbles. Right. The cosmic dolphin. Okay. <laughs> it's basically, there's like this weird time travel segment in the middle of the film, which I don't think has any bearing on the plot of uh, Sponge Out of Water. Yeah. They just go time traveling for some reason. Right. And they end up in like this observatory out in the middle of space where Matt Berry is this dolphin yeah. that is like, he, he's tasked with staring at these two planets for all eternity right. to make sure they don't collide with each other. Okay. So SpongeBob and Patrick turn up and he's like, can you keep an eye on those planets? I really need a piss. Yeah. So they're like, all right. Because, because he say that. He him. doesn't say okay. anything. Right. Um, he says something like, oh, I've been holding it in for 500 years. Okay. And then he goes for a piss and the planets collide. <laughs> and then they fuck off. Right. Okay. And that's Matt Berry's involvement. But now he's like main villain. Yes. So I was like, okay, I'm completely in. Yeah. He's not in it nearly enough. Okay. And he's not really Matt burying it up either. Interesting. Yeah. Considering it's just his voice as well. Yeah, like the one thing about Matt Berry that you, yeah. what, is his voice. Yeah, yeah. Like he's got a good physicality and personality. Yeah, he's a, well. he's a decent comic actor, but yeah, his voice is what you get him for. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, he's sort of been, he's in everything now. Anything that's vaguely uh, culty. Yes. Like cult comedy, he pops up in it. Yeah. And like, he's in Community, right? Yeah, he's the grifter. Yeah, he's in, in the Community. Grifting episode. And like, I think a lot of American writers and comedians who are fans of British mm. comedy ask him to be in their things. But now he's in What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. You know, he's, he's a co-lead in a, a, an Emmy-nominated well, show. Well, in fairness, you know? that he probably got that job because of his involvement oh, yeah. in British comedy as well. Yeah. It's just that now he's got an, it, there's an, it, that's another avenue in which people will find well, him. Well, they're, they're all British, aren't they? The three of them in... Um, well, even the woman. Well, yeah, yeah. She's okay. um, Natasha Dimitriou. Like, she's on eight, 8 out of 10 Cats, this countdown and stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're all British. And Phone Jacker, the other one's Phone Jacker. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Rubbing it rapids. <laughs> yeah, so I, I reckon in like five years, after what we do in the shadows has ended, Matt Berry will get his own ABC sitcom. Maybe. I, yeah. He's, he's already like got he's already got like the British equivalent of that. Yeah. Like Toast of London, right? That's his this, baby. That, and he's got another one now where he plays it's like a Victorian detective or something. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen that. It didn't uh, grab me. It didn't grab me either. It's it's like an animal name or something. It's a stupid name. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he's the villain. <laughs> he's the villain. Yeah. But he's really not in it much. You get the first scene where he's introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't think you see him again until the second act. Year of the Rabbit. Oh, Year of the Rabbit. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. it's called. Um, Sorry for our... It's <laughs> all right. Yeah. This review has just become about Matt Berry and there's all these other elements. Because <laughs> he, he is. He's really not important to the mm-hmm. film. Um I guess Keanu Reeves is like the 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 supposed to be the breakout star. Yeah, I really he, don't he's know. another one, isn't he? In vogue. Yes, yeah, he's absolutely everywhere. Yeah. But I think it's 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 exhausting people a bit now. Oh yeah, I I never got it because it's very much I like Keanu Reeves. He's in the film enough to be his own character. Mm-hmm. It's more than just the cameo. It's not yeah. just hey look we got Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. though that clearly is the joke. Yes, because he's playing this. Um, he's called Sage, right? I am a sage and I'm made of sage. Okay. That's the joke. That's the joke. Of the character. Um, and I guess it's funny because Keanu Reeves can't talk. Yeah, like Tumbleweed, <laughs> he's just boring and... No, not just that. Like we've said before that he yeah. can't... He can't oh, no, string he words can't, together. can't string two syllables together. Yeah. Winston. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's seen the John Wick films, yeah. you know there's a reason why they keep it, he keeps his mouth shut in those. Yeah. Um, That's the thing about Keanu Reeves. I really admire... He's a great action actor yeah like he commits he learns kung fu and all these things the matrix you know all him and yeah yeah um really 100 percent commits to the role um and he seems like a nice bloke but he just cannot act for shit no uh and yet he's done so like was it you who pointed out like he's in like five like tentpole franchises yeah, like five of the most iconic action films yeah, of all time. Yeah, Matrix, Point Break, Speed. John Wick, Speed. Yeah, like yeah. all of these like films are like, oh my God, you have to watch this film. He's yeah. like in them. Yeah. Bill and Ted, it's a different genre, but Bill and Ted is like a staple of a genre yep. as well. Um, and he's in Toy Story. No, yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. in Toy Story, yeah. Um, I wonder how much editing they had to do in post to get him sounding... Because yeah. he, he sounds all right in Toy Story. He sounds he like a person who can speak. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't the character like an airhead? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. but so, he he know. says words and they and they flow together. Yeah. So yes. Um, but yeah, there's like there's there's a sequence. I I will commend the animation because mm-hmm. it's like SpongeBob has a very distinct type of animation. Mm-hmm. It's an animation that I think other shows have used, but like 
I think there were a lot of complaints when the film was initially revealed because mm-hmm. they moved away from the the show's animation of like that 2D zany, yeah. you know. They're like, oh, why have you done that? It does a, even though it's 3D animation, this film, it does a very good job of like maintaining that physicality and making okay. it feel like it's a cartoon. And they do some fun stuff with the animation as well. None that I can remember. Yeah, sure. But I do think that it's it's animated very well. And if like if you're one of those people who's like, oh, that's that's enough for kids. Mm. Just like the fact that it's well animated and it's there's a lot of stuff yeah. going on. If yes. If you subscribe to that, then yes, it'll be good enough for kids. Mm-hmm. It's bright, it's colourful, it moves very quickly and fluidly. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Yeah. There's a sequence in this film, though, where um, Patrick and SpongeBob end up in this live-action western town. Okay. And it's unclear whether they're dreaming or not, mm. um, deliberately. And I think that's where they meet Keanu Reeves for the first time. Mm. And he, they go into this town, and he's basically like, you have to kill the zombie king. Right in order to achieve enlightenment or okay. something like that. So they go into this bar and they realize, oh, they're not just zombies, they're cowboy pirate zombies. Uh-huh. And then the cowboy pirate zombies break into a musical number. Sure. And there's a musical sequence. And then Danny Trejo turns up as the king of the pirate zombie. Of course. And like, the last film kind of did this with like Antonio Banderas. He was the main villain, so he had more to do. Right. But I guess that was sort of like, oh, it's... Antonio Banderas mm. and he's like being the this wacky like pirate yeah. burger chef and he's after the he was more integrated into the plot uh-huh. um, but I don't know I was just watching that sequence and I just like I just think back to like the conversations we've had about just like random humour yeah it's like where you could do anything yeah I'm watching this musical number of like pirate zombie cowboys and it's supposed to be like wacky and zany mm. and some people it might be but to me I was just thinking why well, that's the thing. There's, I, I always hated the, I hated it when people say said, uh, you know, in in regards to psychedelic animation. Mm. Um, oh man, they must have been high when they made. I've I've always hated that. Yeah. But equally, I hate when animations seem to lean into that. Yeah. And you know they lend themselves to that ascription of oh it was made by by stoners for stoners sort of thing there's actually a poster for this film i think it was back when it was called it's a wonderful sponge where it's just spongebob standing in the middle of this poster and there's like a uh stereotypical psychedelic spiral right and it's the tagline is something like this movie's going to be a total trip yeah exactly which is a play on the idea that it's a road trip movie yes but also i like i think in the last film uh sponge out of water that time travel sequence is deliberately stylized yeah. to look like an acid trip. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's kind of the joke. Yeah. The thing, I've heard people, uh, other people who agree with me about disliking that they had to be high to make it sort of thing. Yeah. What they usually say is, no, it's just imagination. It's people being inventive. Like, yeah. you give no credit to the human imagination. And I completely sympathize with that. But at the same time, it's the kind of mighty... And I don't mind the mighty boosh, but it's the mighty boosh humour where I could do it. Oh, they go to... It's um, it's a, a shop where they sell uh, exotic fish and all of a sudden they get sucked into the guts of one of the fish. Yeah. And there's a cabaret club. I could do I could do that. It's just the most... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but there's also like a... Part of the... Not skill, but part of the appeal of sketches like that is... Yeah, most people could think of them, but these guys actually got it made. Oh yeah, of course. they actually realize that vision. Yeah, yeah, sure. But you know what I mean. It, it, it is kind of like uh, Chinese whisper. 
Well, sometimes. funny enough, we were watching. Um, we were recommended by the hybrid. Yes, I, I didn't think he would think he'd hear his name on the podcast again. No, uh, but he recommended we watch Auntie Donna's House of Fun. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of humor in that. I, it's, it's been a while since I've seen a, a comedy show. I guess a sketch show. Mm. It's a sketch show. Or I've seen a sketch show where the humor is so hit and miss. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some quite funny stuff mm-hmm. in that show, like quite because it, I think the the main appeal of Auntie Donna is it's sort of it's that same kind of humor as Don't Hug Me I'm Scared. Yeah, where it's like it's cute and innocent and fluffy mm-hmm. until it's not. Yes, and that's sort of the like the humor in most of their sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is genuinely like comedy in that where it feels like anyone could have thought of that. Oh yeah, yeah. There are moments that are funny. But they're moments. Yes. The whole construction is, I think, is it the second episode that ends with Abraham Lincoln just shows up and then, it's like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. What like, is- they're playing football and then Ed yeah. Helm shows up. It's like, why are you playing football? And then he just plays football with them. Yes. Then the cops do that and Abraham Abraham Lincoln shows up. Yeah. The third episode, I think they're like, they're like, oh, we want to compete in the Olympics. And then this professional wrestler shows up and is like, I'm going to fight you in the Olympics. And yeah. Like, like, they, like I said, there's some funny stuff. They've got a sketch called Roll Call, which I saw after the show. Mm. That was actually... Um, this is not going to become an Auntie Donna's House of Fun review. No. But that's one thing about the show which I was kind of disappointed to learn in retrospect. Right. Most of the stuff that they do in the show is sketches they've already done. Oh, right, okay. They either outright copy the sketches or they kind of adapt them. Right. So, so you know, it's like a collation, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like a like a remastering of all of their previous material. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they do that, uh, the housemates interview. Yes. That's based on a sketch they did called Roll Call. Right. Which is this, it's this teacher calling out names on the register. Right. Okay. So it's, you know, for example, the reason I brought that up is because there's a perfect, like, in a microcosm, like, the difference between their humor. Mm-hmm. The, sorry, not their humor, like, the difference between when it hits and when it misses. Yes. There's, like, one moment where they're, like, um, one of the people he calls out is, man not dead, just pretending. Right. And it's just the, one of the guys, like, sitting in his chair with his eyes closed, holding a bouquet of flowers. Mm. And then he just looks at the camera and winks. Right. It's like, what's 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 the joke there? <sighs> well, here's the thing. But, yeah. w- in terms of when it hits, mm. another one that he announces is um, bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonator. Mm. And it cuts to this woman in a cowboy outfit just going, Yeehaw! It's, like, completely... <laughs> okay. It's just, like, it's so far removed yeah, from it's Schwarzenegger. So yeah, it's yeah. funny. Okay. And then you've got Man Not Dead just pretending. Yeah. Like, wh- th- th- there's such a gap there in terms of the quality of the humour. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I there are, as I said, things about it that I found funny. I did laugh. But it's almost Pavlovian. Like, I'm, I'm going to laugh when someone falls over. And you know what I mean? Yes. N- not as slapstick as that. Mm. But there are things that you're just gonna knee-jerk laugh at. Yeah. But even through that, I gotta be honest, like, I hated it. <laughs> okay. I hate the spirit of it. Okay. I it's not like a dark... I don't think it's cynical. or I don't think it's um has a bad heart in that way. No, no. I just think it's deeply... The place it comes from is deeply unfunny. Well, I mean, it's um, funded by the Australian government, right? Is it? Yeah. Like, they're independent entertainers, but I think that yeah. they got a lot of... They got their start by getting funding from the, right. from the government. Okay. Because that's in a bunch of their comment sections. Right. Um, yeah, I think they have a good spirit, mm. and it's clear that they just want to entertain. Mm-hmm. They love being entertainers and comedians, and mm-hmm. that's completely fine. It's interesting seeing their dynamic because, like, each person, you've got like the what's his name, 
The one with like the long black hair. I don't Zach. Zach, yeah. yeah. He's clearly like the most versatile one. Yeah. He gets he he's able to play so many like different characters. Mm-hmm. He gets the, the laughs in that respect. Then you've got I think it's Broden. Right. Who's like the almost bald one. Yes. He's incredibly like stoic and stone faced. His thing seems to be he'll be impish and then will suddenly go very serious. Yeah. That seems to be his two modes. It's like incredibly serious. (laughs) The um everything is a drum song. Yes. Like when when Zach is hitting the pan and it's not a drum and just all of a sudden he's like completely stone faced. You told me everything was a drum and he goes, Not now, brother Zach. (laughs) Yes. whatever it is yeah uh, and then you've got the other one the who other is one. literally the other one with the top bun yeah, yeah Mark I think his name is right who is just he's not funny at all I don't think see the thing out of the the whole series I watched all of it okay um, the thing that I liked most was a sketch that he did okay and I can't remember the, the specifics of it it's him Affecting basically, it beca- I think he has he's of Italian descent. Yes, and they're making fun of that. Oh, is it uh, old man Italian? Maybe, and like they they start talking about the uh, the ethics of uh, you know this kind of portrayal. Yes, and should we be stereotyping? And then it cuts to his mother, played by him, who's the most stereotypical Italian. Ma- yeah, I really like that. Okay, so that's good. There's a point there as well. You know? Yeah. Um, other than that it's just not my it, it's even though it's Australian it's very American yeah definitely um, well it's sort of yeah it's sort of both I think it, it gets that sort of dryness mm. from Australia mm-hmm. and I think that compulsion to be like cute and fluffy and then very suddenly not yeah I think that's more an Australian impulse yes um, but yeah it does follow that American sensibility mm-hmm. it does the whole gag reflex Yes. It does that a lot where it kind of explains the joke. It does. After the joke. The thing with Australian humour that I've... Of my limited experience to it, mm. uh, exposure to it, um, they seem to... When their absurd humour is... They'd start... Their accent goes really fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, the, you don't quite see in any other regional humour in that way. Okay. It's just about doing a silly Australian accent. Yeah. Or I'll fucking, oh, you know. <laughs> that, that's what I've seen a lot. I mean, Australian we kind of do that in terms of like Welsh. Valleys, yeah. But I don't, there might just not be enough Welsh comedy out there yeah. to use that as a point of comparison. But yeah, when yeah. you're doing like making fun of like Valleys people, you're like, ah, oh, fucking. Fucking, ah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just evolves into noise. Like a chicken, yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I don't know why I brought up Andy Donner in the first place. I think it was to talk about the the, the level of humor. Like, okay. Oh, anyone could have done that humor. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. When they go to the Wild West town and there's a musical number. Yeah. 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 Because like with Antonio Banderas, uh, his bits they're mostly disconnected from what's happening in the film, mm-hmm. but it's relevant to the plot because he's yeah. the villain and he's like hijacked the Krabby Patty secret formula. Mm-hmm. The whole film is building up to them confronting him. Okay. But this Wild West sequence is just there to be there. Okay. It has no bearing on the film other than it introduces Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. But Keanu Reeves is in the most of the film. His presence is never really explained. And at the end, he just leaves. Okay. He's not the type of character you need to explain his backstory. Yeah. You know? Um, the other thing as well, which I found odd about it, I don't know if this is like a this year marks an anniversary for SpongeBob. It had that sort of vibe to it. Unless it was made in 2000. I don't know. I really don't know. Um... 
But yeah, it, I don't know. It just had the vibe of like an anniversary project. Okay. Where it felt like the beginning feels like it's very much it's showcasing like the Spongebob routine like all the facets of Spongebob's life like him waking up in the morning mm-hmm. him meeting his friend Patrick Squidward being annoyed right. his job at the Krabby Patty and the way it's all laid out it feels like it's going look at what Spongebob is Right. this is what Spongebob is this is his life this is the show the universe mm-hmm. that we've created like he meets Sandy and like all that kind of stuff Right. then peppered throughout the film you get flashbacks to when Spongebob first met all of the main characters of the show. Okay. So you see his first meeting with Patrick, his yeah. first meeting with Squidward, his first meeting with Sandy. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the final the final act of the film, really, Spongebob and Patrick are on trial mm. because they try to steal Gary back. Right. And Neptune has them arrested and he's going to put them on trial and have them executed, basically. Sure. So the rest of the characters turn up and basically go... This is how Spongebob entered my life. Okay. This is how my life has improved since Spongebob entered it. Right. Here is the flashback. Yeah. And that felt very, like, part of it was just like, oh, what what the hell do we do with Spongebob now? Mm-hmm. We've done everything with Spongebob. But also, how do we celebrate Spongebob? Yeah. Oh, we'll literally have the characters say why Spongebob is so important to them. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't feel like Spongebob is the type of thing where you need to establish the relationships and like the, you don't need an origin story for Spongebob I mean there's fans. not much to it is there no like the Spon- the Patrick flashback is literally Patrick is on his own mm. Spongebob like goes up to him and it's like oh you're lonely and Patrick's like yeah I'm lonely mm. and Spongebob's like do you want a friend he's like yeah alright and then they're just instantly best friends right it's not a it's not like a complicated like no. you didn't need that explained to you and that's not done as a joke no, no, it's sincerely okay. like, this is where they met. Right. This is how that formed. Okay. You know, they do it with Gary, <laughs> it's the snail. They do it with crabs. They do it with everyone. That would be a funny joke. Like all these convoluted um, meat cutes. It's like, oh, I remember the first time we met Patrick and you expect this, you know, and you expect yeah. this really, you know, elaborate thing. And he's just on his own. He's like, oh, hey, who are you? I'm Patrick. Who are you? I'm SpongeBob. So we'll be friends forever? Yeah, okay. And that's it. That'd actually <laughs> yeah. be quite funny. I don't know. I think it'd be funny if it was like, um, like, oh, I remember when we first met and they flash back yeah. and it becomes so like intricate and complicated. Yeah, yeah. It takes up the rest of the film. It, to yeah, it is the it. film. Yeah, yeah. It's like the shield or something where there's like 20 different characters and they're all working against each other. Mm. And somehow through that, Patrick's uh, friendship with SpongeBob triumphs, but at the cost of like everything else. <laughs> like they actually used to live in this town called, you know, um, Shellside. Yeah. But that town was basically destroyed because of yeah, Patrick yeah. and Spongebob's friendship. It would be good if you got, you know, the um, the cold open is them on trial. It's like, mm. how did you meet uh, Spongebob? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, Patrick, I'll tell you. And then we, we go back. You get the whole film where pa- Spongebob does not meet Patrick at all. Yeah. <laughs> has the, this big adventure. And then when the adventure ends at know, the restaurant or whatever, yeah. Patrick just happens to be there. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And that's it. Yeah. Like, that's the- it's this like insanely intricate political thriller. Yeah. SpongeBob is the main character. And this is at the end. Incidentally, Pat- he's yeah, there. Yeah. Patrick's just there all of a sudden. Yeah. Like SpongeBob is, I think it's kind of what most people would expect it to be. Like if you like SpongeBob, I think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. If you don't like SpongeBob, I don't think it's going to change your mind. I liked the second film, and I did not like this one. Okay. I don't know if that means anything to anyone. Are you a fan of the TV series? No, I really don't have that much knowledge when it comes to SpongeBob okay. or experience. Like I said, I remember the Gorilla episode. I've always remembered the episode where he has that cook-off with Neptune for some right. reason. Where Neptune cooks like a thousand Krabby Patties, and they're all disgusting. And then 
SpongeBob cooks one and it's delicious. Mm. And they're in competition for some reason. And okay. Nept- Neptune, it's so delicious, Neptune concedes to SpongeBob. Right. I, I don't know why I remember that one. But that's like the one episode I have a vivid memory of. I th- the only thing I can remember is, is there an episode where he's in some sort of withdrawal? Oh, I don't know. SpongeBob's in withdrawal from something. Oh, uh, That, for some reason, seems familiar to me. Okay. But that's it. Yeah, it's genuinely no yeah. idea. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of SpongeBob, but I like the second film enough, and this mm-hmm. didn't this didn't meet the bar for me. Okay, and yeah, the title has no relevance whatsoever, so that's kind of annoying. Sponge on the run. Yeah, yeah. I guess it sounds dynamic. I guess. Yeah. All right. So, would you recommend SpongeBob? Sponge um, on the run. I wouldn't. No. Anything really? Like, okay. I wouldn't stop people from going to watch it, but I also wouldn't recommend they go watch it. Okay. It just is. It just is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Alright, is that your review? That's my review. Okay. Well, I've been watching a lot. One of the things I've been watching is The League of Gentlemen, okay. which I've now finished. Um, Do you want to maybe explain that to me a bit? What the show is? Yeah. The League of Gentlemen is a com- British comedy show from the late 90s, early noughties. Uh, it's Reese Pemberton... No, Reese Shearsmith, Steve Pemberton... A Mark Gatiss. Okay. Uh, playing a host of grotesque characters in this fictional English town called Royston Vasey. Physically grotesque or, like, morally grotesque? Both. Okay. Both. Um, it's it's a comedy, but it's incredibly dark. Right. Most of the characters are kind of murderers or, you know, okay. it's grim. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's grim, not at the expense of humour... Well, I suppose so, yeah. Like, it doesn't even intend to be funny at certain points because it's just so grim. Okay. Um, yeah, it's horror comedy sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, so I've been watching that and I watched the Christmas special from the year 2000 on iPlayer. Okay. And I noticed a disclaimer that I haven't seen before. All right. And the disclaimer said, The League of Gentlemen is a classic comedy which reflects the broadcast standards, language, and attitudes of its time. Some viewers may find this content offensive. Okay. Now, I've seen the some viewers may find this content offensive thing before, but I've never seen that bit of history lesson. This is a classic comedy which reflects the attitudes attitudes of its time. Yeah. Uh, the very, very long time ago that was the year 2000. Yeah. I mean, the thing about that is it's kind of annoying in that very superficial um, woke way you know what I mean of like because the, th- the thing is there there are characters in the show that there's a character called character called Papa Lazarou who uh, it's basically blackface okay but it's it's kind of like a circus ringmaster minstrel evil character right um, he's not black okay you know? um, he kind of is but he's not it's, it's a weird thing and then a lot of jokes, like there's a German character who's a closeted gay, and there's a lot of kind of unwitting puns about that. And, okay. Um, yeah, and the thing about that, so the, the the warning, beyond its kind of surface level of annoyance, the really depressing thing about that to me is that it suggests that nothing like that will get made again. Okay. That's where I see the real problem. I see. I can put up okay. with a disclaimer underneath saying... Um, this is an antiquated piece of, you know, historic propaganda or whatever. Uh, But that's the really bleak thing about it, 
is that well we're going to clean up our act yeah from here on you'll never get the league of gentlemen again yes a show that like you said from 2000 yeah like 20 years ago but still not a long time ago no i, d- I don't think like social attitudes have shifted that shifted radically. that much yeah well okay they haven't shifted that radically in reality okay i think if you took a glance at social media you'd think they've shifted radically right okay uh the transgender issue all that stuff yeah is in a different place than it was 20 years ago yeah but i think in the hearts and minds of most people we are where we were in the year 2000 okay if anything things have just gotten worse right thoughts um i can see how it would annoy you (laughs) it seems like the type of thing that would annoy you um yeah i suppose that's a bit that's a bit shit Uh i suppose it's nice that they didn't just outright get rid of it Yes, it's better. It's better than is it? Netflix have gotten rid of a bunch of stuff. Oh, we, we did. We did a whole episode. Yeah, there, yeah. Didn't we? Channel Four have. Yeah. Uh, that fu- what was what was the most recent one? The IT Crowd episode. Yes, the one where he marries the transgender. Yeah, well, I don't think he marries her. Oh, yeah, yeah just they dating. get engaged. But yeah, 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 the episode where she used to be a man. It's played by like an actress. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she used to be a man. He misunderstands. So when they're a while into the relationship and he mm-hmm. finds it out, quote unquote, mm-hmm. they they end up in this like massive fist fight. Yes. Which she wins, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's the joke, isn't it? Yeah. That he's just fighting a man. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's getting wrecked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's considered too offensive or it's like too anti-trans. Yes. It, I think the, the argument was that it would legitimize violence against trans people. I see. Yeah. Even though the trans person won yeah. the violence. Speaking of which... Uh, I was wondering, are we going to bring her up? Him yeah, up. I just... I, just, I re- just did the thing. Just realised, yeah. Um, I think it was yesterday it broke for us, the news. Uh, Alan Page is Elliot Page now. Yes. But the most, <laughs> the most hilarious thing about all of it is, all the headlines are Elliot Page announces he is transgender. Yes. If I was a casual reader... Yeah. I would think, who the hell's Elliot Page? Who the fuck's Elliot Page? Exactly, I guess Elliot Page is now becoming a woman, would be my thought. Yeah, yeah. But this kind of retconning of the language. Yeah, because you've got to understand that, like, a lot of people are not against it. Mm. They just don't care. Yeah. They don't keep up with, like, the, the, where we are now. Yeah. Like, what language is changing into, and they, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't, yeah, a lot of people probably wouldn't think, oh, it says he, therefore... This is a woman who's becoming a man, not yes. the other way around. Yeah. They would see, he's announced that he's transgender. Yes. Oh, a guy's becoming a woman. Yes. Um, I guess, welcome to the patriarchy, Mr. Page. Yeah, that'd be interesting if, if you know, uh, given any, it, to see if there's any accusations leveled at her. Um, of, you know, <laughs> like all of a sudden know, yeah she's being oh he's being hassled you're now a recipient of white male privilege yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um yeah so there's there's that <laughs> so I feel like you know Ellen there might not be enough good roles for women in Hollywood but this is <laughs> this, quite, is, this is drastic quite a drastic yeah. thing to do yeah so yeah, well she's a lesbian uh she came oh, out as don't. lesbian yeah don't, no, I know. don't start I, this she came out as lesbian a few years ago. Okay. And, which I believed. Okay. Uh, I think most people did, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I completely believe you. Yeah, yeah. And now she's come out as trans, and I don't really 
let's ignore the psychological the psychology of it okay but what does that make her now because in in her coming out manifesto whatever you want to call it (laughs) uh she says that she's proud to be trans and she's proud to be queer yeah that would make her gay right but like man gay i don't know what queer is i never really understood what queer means well queer is yeah is queer like anything on the lgbt spectrum i don't think you could be just transgender but you're still queer i don't know or do you have to be gay when you change gender you have to be gay in that gender to be gay i because you are because yes. he is a man now like it's not yeah. like oh I used to be a woman therefore I still count as lesbian well, no no he is a man now not only is he a man now he always was a man oh he always was a man yeah so when he was a lesbian he was actually straight yeah Ju- yeah Juno was a bloke yeah Juno's actually a yeah. gay film now yes yeah about a man the first, male pregnancy yeah the first yeah. male pregnancy it's yeah. a sci-fi film <laughs> <laughs> sci-fi yeah um yeah so I, it's interesting because I don't know if she I'm assuming she's still interested in women yes so she's gone from being a lesbian woman to a straight man a straight white man yeah interesting yeah. not cis no. she's got that over us at least yes um, yeah. but That's, yeah there, there was something trending yesterday a hashtag wasn't it like start cis shaming or something what does that even mean just like oh, I don't know fuck you for not being anything I think the idea I guess the thinking is Oh, we get shamed for being trans all the time, so now we're going to shame right. you okay. for being normal. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of mileage in that. Yeah. Fuck you Good for luck. being normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of what's the what's the Joe Rogan thing? Like people who try to make fun of people from LA. Oh, like you're going to make fun of me for speaking clearly and concisely. Yes. <laughs> it's like oh, you're going to make fun of me for being like straight. Yeah. What exactly do you have to work with there? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, it's like this sort of thing, like anti-white, anti-man, anti-all that. It's not a case of being offended by it because it is laughable, isn't it? When they like, let's start cis shaming. Right. If someone ever came up to me and said, "Hi, you're a cis. You don't know anything," I would go, oh, "Fuck off." Yeah. <laughs> I would just find it funny and yeah. a bit a bit annoying. But the real kind of problem is, do, do you realize if you okay? I know you think you're in opposition to something, but the problem is, by your own definition, you are the fringe against a monolith. Mm. That's your conception of it, is mm. that you're the rebel alliance, you know, yeah, yeah. with the empire. Problem is, in reality, the rebel alliance would not win. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I would picking fights with everyone who's not in a niche category mm. seems like a bad strategy to me. Yeah, that's li- literally everyone else. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like, to be fair, what was that comedian that talked about? Um, was it Norm MacDonald? Oh, I can't remember. Like Germany, uh, one country, World War One, World War Two. Mm. They took on every other country, basically. Yes. And not only was that, you know, ballsy in and of itself, but they almost won. Yeah. Like that's how good. So it could be that analogy mm. where it's they're deciding... You know, it's like oh, who who's going to be your um your competitor in battle? Oh, everyone who's cis. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're on your own. <laughs> you're on your own for this one. Yeah, but I mean, you say that like you brought up the rebel alliance as an analogy, yeah. and yeah, you said in reality they won't win, but in the films mm. they won. 
No, that's what I'm saying. In reality, the Rab Alliance wouldn't win. No, they wouldn't yeah. win, but they could. They did win in the films, so yeah. there's still a reality in which they could win. No, I'm just following on from what you said about the Germans, like almost winning. Right, but that but that's real. Yes, yeah. I was taking your like analogy. Yes, and I was tying it into the real example that you gave. Okay, it's like oh well, maybe this is yeah, maybe like they could almost win. They they won't win. Yes, but it'll be interesting to see. How close they get. Okay. Or not. You don't like that at all, do you? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for trying to participate in this conversation. That's right. So. Uh, what else we got? Um, have you been watching I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? No. Okay. Have you ever watched I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? Not really. Okay. Are you familiar with I'm a Celebrity yes, Get Me Out of Here? Yes, I know Yes, okay. Are you familiar with this year's I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? I know it's in a Welsh castle. Yes, that's the big difference. For those who don't know, because I don't know how um, like wide appeal it's got, or whether it's one of those shows that's like, it has loads of different versions now. I'm not sure. It might still just be the British version. So I'm a Celebrity, it's a reality show. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Sort of in the vein of Big Brother, yeah. but instead of taking a bunch of celebrities and putting them in this house together for two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. They take these celebrities and they put them in the middle of the Australian rainforest for two or three weeks. And the big appeal of the show, like like the, the, the thrust of it is, it's just like hidden camera footage of them going about their lives in this incredibly restricted environment. But the real appeal of the show is these bush tucker trials where Mm -hmm. they have to do very physically demanding things Mm -hmm. like, you know, they have to like walk across a Canyon or they have to, you know, be buried underground. Mm-hmm. Or the most famous one is they have to eat mm-hmm. disgusting things like, you know, mealworms and like cockroaches mm-hmm. and like testicles, mm-hmm. animal testicles, yes. not you know, human testicles. Yes. That would be that would be strange. Um, but this year, obviously, because of the the pandemic, they couldn't go traveling to Australia because that would be not on. Mm-hmm. So they're doing it in a rather than doing it in the middle of the Australian rainforest, they're doing it in a Welsh castle. Mm-hmm. So already, people were like, "Okay, bit of an upgrade for these celebrities. They've yeah. kind of got it easy." But they were like, "Oh no, no, this castle's actually like there's not much we can do to the environment, so it's going to be very cold, and also this is a haunted castle. Sure, so it's going to be you know, right. it's going to be taxing in that respect." Mm-hmm. So I have, like, no expectations for I'm a Celebrity, right? It's one of mm-hmm. those shows like The X Factor where I watched it when I was a kid and have long since outgrown it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. The novelty sort of grabbed me. Okay. It's like, okay, it's set in Wales. I, it's supposed to be a haunted castle. I'm curious as to what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they've done with it? What have they done with it? Nothing. <laughs> it's just the same thing. It's but, exactly no. the okay. same show. Yeah. But instead of them being in the middle of the Australian rainforest where they are, exp- they are exposed to the elements mm-hmm. and they are exposed to the creatures and they have to live away from their families and it's incredibly... It's just that, but it's in this castle. Right. It's not haunted in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Literally the only way in which it's... Ha- like the only thing they do with the haunted... Because I thought that would be like a good, an interesting way of doing it. Like, we can't put them through these physically demanding... We can't, like, put them through the elements mm-hmm. in Australia. And we can't just, like, throw creatures into the into the camp. Because mm-hmm. it would be completely unnatural. So we're going to try it... You know, we might, like, pump in this weird ambience to freak them out. Or right. we might, like, you know, make it, like, haunted or something. Yeah. Like, play that up a little bit. 
But it's literally just the day after an episode comes out in the papers. It says, oh, the I'm a Celebrity crew were really scared when filming. Right. That's literally all they do with the Haunted Castle aspect. Okay. Also, there's been, like, loads of rumours that the castle is, like, central heated. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the middle of winter yes. in Wales. It's freezing fucking cold. Yes. Um, and they're all, like, wearing t-shirts. Right. They're just completely, like, they don't seem bothered at all by the, the conditions. Yeah. They've got hot running water. Mm-hmm. Granted, somebody has to pump it. Okay. But they've got hot running water. Yeah. And, like, it's just the same. <laughs> like, obviously, you're not a fan. No. I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. It's, like, garbage television. Right? Yes. It's just junk food garbage television. Yeah. That, like, you talk about it when you're at the hairdressers. Because mm-hmm. it's something in name that everyone's seen. It's for stupid people. It's for stupid people. Yeah. But... Out of curiosity, I bring mm-hmm. this up for one question, basically. Were they obligated to do anything different? Ha- is this genuinely a missed opportunity? Like, I'm a celebrity, like I said, it's not a great show, and it's certainly capable of being lazy, but is this just too lazy for its own good? If you if you mean, um, should they have done more? If we're at the planning stage of, right, we can't do it in Australia, so what are we going to do? Mm. Or are we at the stage where we decided it's in a castle? It's in a castle. Like, yeah, yeah, but like, where where are we at hypothetically? Well, here? I suppose if we're going to do like hypotheticals, yeah. what do you do? We have to we have to keep it in the country. Yeah. So what's like an ideal analog for the Australian rainforest? I, I mean, would say I would say during winter, but then again, it's like the middle of summer in winter in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really sleep outside here in the winter. No, you would die. Yeah. So yeah, it has to be inside. I mean, a castle's not a bad idea. No. But yeah, it's what they've done with it. I guess replicate the conditions of the castle in its primacy. Okay. So they have they live in they have to live in the same way that a king or a queen would have lived there. Well, no, I that mean, sounds like grand. Yes, exactly. But you know what I mean, like um like, like, but they're all peasant workers. Yeah, and like all, scurvy yeah. is is a possibility. Sure. Right. You know? Yeah. Maybe something like that, where you know, hot water and all that. It's really difficult to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't have hot running water and mm. central heating. Oh, and yeah. apparently, most of the locations they use in the castle are sets that they've built. Right. Okay. So, like literally, what is the point? They built a castle set in a castle. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because they can't because it's a listed building, so they can't make any structural changes yeah, to it. Yeah. So most of the trials and like where Anton Deck present it, mm. all of that's a set. I'm I'm convinced that the actual location that the celebrities in is a set as well. Right. Like you sort of someone more trained than me could probably explain specifically why it does or doesn't look like a set. Mm. But I don't know. Like you you know you know a set when you see one, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They look like it just doesn't have the right texture to it. Yeah. It's just too clean. Mm-hmm. And that's what this look the stone I know they would have had to clean it up. But the stone in this castle just looks so clean and smooth. There's like no filth or grime anywhere. Yeah. And it's just like Yeah, it doesn't look real. It looks the stone genuinely looks like it's made out of like um the like packing stuff you put like packages in. They probably are in a set. Yeah. Because I don't think they want to risk causing any damage or fucking up the castle yeah in any you know in any way so yeah they probably are what is the nature of the trials they have to do then 
it's effectively the same thing. Right. Where, you know, buried underground, eating disgusting shit. Right. They tried, they, they've, again, very weakly, they've tried to make it a bit more relevant to, like, Britain. Well, yeah, because uh, the Bus Tucker trials, I'm assuming that that's, like, a, a custom, an Australian tradition yeah. or whatever. Well, I don't know if it's an Australian tradition, but it's all Australian critters. That yeah, 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 like, in the jungle critters. Yeah, so, like, so, kangaroo penis and, like, wichity grubs, they're all absent from yeah. the drinking trials. Instead, it's, like, deer and cow penis. Right. So they tried okay. to make it a bit more British. Okay. But, like, the title sequence, for example. Badger cock. Badger cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Just saying the word badger cock. Yeah. Um, do badgers have big cocks? Would that be a difficult thing to eat? Well, they are apex predators. Yeah, but so that doesn't necessarily... Must be for mean... a reason. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean they have big cocks. No. It? I don't know. Oh, pig, probably pig not. vagina. Someone had to drink a pig vagina. Drink a pig vagina? Yeah, they'd like blended a pig vagina. A liquefied pig vagina. Yeah, and they had to drink that. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, the opening title sequence of I'm a Celebrity for years has been... It's all like, you know, CG animated. Pork snatching. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> That's the Eddie. We don't need you after all. Um, yeah, it's basically these helicopters flying, like, the letters I'm a Celebrity... Mm onto like the rainforest mm. and then it zooms out and it's like replicating the Hollywood yeah. sign with I'm a Celebrity getting yeah. out of here it's exactly the time, same title sequence including the blue sky in the yeah and the jungle setting right it's exactly the same the only thing they've done is when it says I'm a Celebrity get me out of here like cardboard cutouts of a castle like <laughs> pop out of the jungle okay but like you couldn't even come up with like a new title scene the trial music I think they've added an organ to the, that to give it, like, a spooky feel. Right. But that's literally the only thing they've changed. Do you think it's their way of saying, it's different, but we're not changing the show? Like, we will be back. But that's my question. Should they have? Like, surely... Like, I'm I, I'm pretty sure that their viewing figures have shot way up this season. Mm. Um, because of novelty's sake. It's the same when Jodie Whittaker took over and there was, like, that huge spike yeah. in viewers. It's like, oh, it's something different. Yeah. Like, surely this is your opportunity to go, right, we're going to, like, this is our chance to change I'm a Celebrity. Well, right. Uh, uh, from to a, spice it up a bit. A creative, artistic point of view, then, yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously. Yeah. But from a realistic, pragmatic point of view, shows like I'm a Celebrity have to be kind of fiercely reassuring to people who watch it. I understand that. Yeah. But, like, I'm a celebrity. I don't know if it's considered a success in terms of viewership, typically. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure, like, every season, its viewership is just going down and down and down. Maybe. Because it's the same thing every year. The only people left are genuinely the people who are, like, they'll watch anything. Britain's Got Talent and... Yeah, yeah, those kind of people. Yeah. But those shows have to occupy a very no-sharp-edges, baby-proofed space, don't they? Again, that's fine. But I don't know, like... The, the setting is so, like, radically different. This yeah. Like, a rainforest and a castle are not analogues. No. The fundamental experience those people are going through is entirely different. Mm-hmm. I've only seen, like, three episodes of this I'm a Celebrity. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's the type of thing that goes on at mealtime when the family are in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, everyone's just getting on. Mm. Like, most reality shows, you like, you watch I'm a Celebrity for the trials, but also you want to see people bickering. Yeah. And, like, most of, like, the notable... Notable as if it's like something important, mm-hmm. but like the memorable I'm a celebrity um, years are the ones where like drama happened. Like when mm. Peter Andre, is it Peter Andre or Karis Matthews that left their partner? I'm not sure. Uh, Peter Andre and Jordan, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Peter Andre and Jordan. Yeah, there was Karis Matthews and somebody else. Okay, they like 
broke up with their partner and hooked up in the jungle. Right. Okay. Um, kind of like with Big Brother. Yeah. Like Jay Goody was like one of the things, the first thing you think of when you think of Big Brother. Mm-hmm. Like drama. Yeah, yeah. And there's just like no drama. Everyone's getting on. Mo Farah is uh, quite ditzy. Okay. That's what this show was revealed. He's right. just like off in his own world. He doesn't seem to get things. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like everyone's just, I, I've heard that there's like been a couple of arguments. Mm. But it's too late in the game for that now, you know? They're getting voted yeah. off at this point. I don't know. There, there is something... I feel like they should just be living in a kind of um, an unmodernized castle. There's something... With the jungle, it's difficult, and there are insects, and it's humid. And, you know, I'm sure it's um, exhausting. Mm. You see, you know, lying on hammocks, and it's like, oh, God, it's hot. And yeah. So it would be interesting... To see a, a more British version of that, where everyone's constantly fucking freezing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like exactly. trying to wrap up all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, thing is, the the, the jungle is kind of a static environment, isn't it? Where yeah, it's basically. I'm, I imagine it's it's stickier at night. But yeah, you're just in the same thing all the time. Whereas over here, it's gonna be alright in the day. Yeah, and, and then fucking freeze, freezing, freezing at night. night. That, 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 I'd watch that. They're on a weird schedule as well, because obviously, typically, it's filmed in Australia. Mm. So a day will go by in the jungle, and then the crew have all the rest of the day yeah. back here mm-hmm. to edit and compile the footage mm-hmm. whereas now they're having to like wake up in the middle of the day and go to sleep at like three mm. so the crew have enough time to like put everything together right um, so I think mo- for them most of their experience is the night okay for the celebrities so it would be cold for most of the time for them are we going the X Factor this year then do you know I genuinely don't know if that is if that's even on anymore I think Britain's Got Talent is, is on yeah because I remember um, there was like a thing on Facebook where someone posted because they're doing a socially distanced thing. Mm-hmm. So they've got like the four judges at like their own separate desks. Mm. And then like the entire audience are on like a Zoom call. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. So it's like the, the post was something like, you know, Britain's Got Talent's now looking like a, a Black Mirror episode. Right. Yeah. So I think that's happening. But I'm is X Factor done? No idea. I genuinely haven't even heard of it the last couple of years. It, they, ha- they haven't done... They do the Christmas number one thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's the point of the X Factor. Yeah. You win the show, you get the Christmas number one spot. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's been years since there's been a been an X Factor Christmas number one. Um, well, in 2010, Rage beat Joe McAldry, didn't they? Yeah, that was like a big shock. Yeah. That was all back when the X Factor was like peak. Yeah. Or like, oh my God, something so. dethroned the X Factor. Yeah. After that, did they get another number one? I think they did. Okay. And then last year, it was an X Factor. It was some weird, like... Was it Chicken Nuggets or something like that? Chicken Nuggets. Sausage Rolls. Oh, Sausage Rolls. Yeah. Something weird like that got through. Okay. It was like a parody song where they swapped out one of the words with Sausage Rolls. Right. <laughs> and that got the Christmas number one spot. Okay. Um, the other thing about I'm a Celebrity that disappointed me... Mm-hmm. They have... This is something that was brought in after I stopped watching it, but it's something I was aware of through osmosis, I guess, because yeah. our celebrity is still that big mm-hmm. that you can learn about it through osmosis. Um, Kiosk Keith. Right. There's this character called Kiosk Keith. Right. And they go... Like, this isn't a trial now. They just go out... Two campmates, like, randomly go out into the jungle and they conduct this, like, separate trial, mm-hmm. um, which is often more fun than having to eat like testicles it's usually like oh there's like you know we have to carry this water from this place to this place or we have to climb this tree Mm -hmm. or something like that and they bring their prize to this kiosk Mm -hmm. which is occupied by kiosk keith yes and then he 
asks the camp a question. Right. If they get it wrong, they don't get a treat. But if they get it right, they get a treat of their choosing. Okay. Um, and he's a very Australian man. Mm-hmm. Deliberately so. A very Australian man. Yes. Obviously, they couldn't bring Kiosk Keith over to Britain because he's Australian. Mm-hmm. So instead, this season, we get Kiosk Cledwin. Right. A very Welsh man. Yeah. Who has, like, a massive, like, farmer... He has a farmer's cap and a massive handlebar moustache. Okay. And he's, his face is very wrinkly and worn. And he's clearly, like... He looks like he's been on the farm his entire life. Right. Um, and I really wanted him to either be the Welshest man that ever lived mm. or just speak Welsh. Right. And they, okay. like, couldn't understand him. And that was, like, part of the challenge. They had to sort of figure out what we, he was saying. Yeah. But he just sounds like Rob Brydon. Okay. He sounds like that kind of RP Welsh. Yeah. Where they're, they're still, like, clearly Welsh, but they're so, like, clear in what they say yes. that it's it's barely an accent. Okay. I was very disappointed. That this- I, I guess people in Scotland have to understand what he's saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> he can't talk like, um, I don't know. Yeah, the North fucking, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah like proper that. Cardiff. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Cardiff is like, oh, mate, like it's almost like a yeah, well, kind of Londony, almost like street speak with the young people. Yes, yeah. um, but the Cardiff accent is all right. It's almost like um, Liverpool or something, right? All right, how's it go? You know, like my guy who's my father uh, is from Cardiff, and he has a proper Cardiff oh, right. accent. Um, yeah, but no, he just sounds kind of blandly Welsh, does he? Yeah. Okay. Again, massive missed opportunity. Get the Welshest man you can find. <laughs> Don't get, like, yeah. just some, like, guy who's been getting rid of his accent all these years. Yeah. Especially since he looked the part. Mm. He, like, genuinely looked the part. So, yeah, I'm a celebrity. He's a fucking letdown. Okay. <laughs> How could it let you down, though? Well, because I was expecting something different. Not groundbreaking, not, like, brilliant. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden now they've moved it to Wales, it's, like, a, an amazing show. Yeah. Just, like, I feel like even for garbage television, this was incredibly lazy. Okay. Do you concur from what I've described? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but Sloth is exactly what I would expect for a show like that. Okay. They're not trying to break the mold. They know they got the viewers, right? Yeah. Um... So yeah. Also, it was kind of depressing because again, it's the first time I watched it in years. And the way you vote for your celebrities now is you download the app, oh. the I'm a Celebrity app, and you okay. vote on the app. Right. I remember when you had to phone. Yeah, I miss all that stuff. Like when you they've have still to... got the they wear like obviously like jumpers and body warmers. They still have the phone number printed on them, but yeah. it's completely irrelevant now. I miss when you had on the backs of magazines like you could uh, download a ringtone. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. I used to read those like they used to come in the TV guides and mm. you flip, flip to the very back and it has all the codes and everything yeah it's like one day I'm gonna own a phone where I yes. can download shit yeah and by the time I did that that was completely irrelevant it's like oh, I can just download everything from the internet by the time you got to that point you just wanted to go back to the simpler <laughs> version of everything yeah yeah is that your review of I'm a Celebrity yeah so fuck I'm a Celebrity okay Should we briefly talk about the election? Yeah, all right. Yeah. There's not much to say. Okay. Um, well, it's, it deserves acknowledgement. Yes. Like, we have sort of brought it up a couple of times in previous recordings. Mm-hmm. But news was changing so quickly. Yeah, it was in flux, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, even though the last couple of episodes have taken longer than usual to come out, mm-hmm. even if they, if we, even if we'd stuck to our regular schedule, yeah. it would have been outdated by the time it came out. Yeah. 
But now things seem to have settled down a bit. Yeah, now shy of some cosmic anomaly, yeah. we know exactly what's going to happen. Yes. So, yes, Joe Biden is going to be the next president. Yes, he is. Of the United States. For like 20 minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's that new film, isn't it? Uh, the Prom. Which you... How How is it described? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ryan Murphy's uh, new film. I say new film. Has he done films before? Yeah. Yeah, he's done a film uh, before. Okay. Yeah, I, I googled it because we were talking to Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, 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 that poor man. Oh. That brilliant man. Oh. Um, yeah, we were talking to Eddie about uh, the Oscar... Uh, Favourites for the Oscar. Yeah. And the prom suddenly entered the, the mm. race. So I looked it up and literally the first article I saw was The Guardian. And yeah. it was something like, The Prom, is Ryan Murphy's musical the first film of the Biden era? Yeah. It's like, what, what does it even mean? If it is, he'll be the last as well, won't it? Yeah, he's not going to last that no, long, guys. he's not. Um, keep an eye on Kamala. Yeah. How <laughs> um, is that supposed to imply that she's going to, like, you know... Oh, yeah, bump him off. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the problem is, like, if he... I th- I think the way that they've set it up right is that Joe Biden appeals to the the center left kind of old school you know liberals okay and she is radical and they've used that to kind of bring in every element of okay. the left that they could and if he goes you're just kind of left with the radical yeah bit yes like her pronouns are in her Twitter bio oh right okay. she's one of those people I see um the thing is, we'll never know how legitimate... Let's say, I'm not one of these, oh, there was voter fraud. There obviously was. The scale of it is what's important. Mm. Um, we'll never know how legitimate the result is. I think it's pretty clear that he won. There's no, like, disputing... Yeah, I think even after the recounts, because there are yeah. some states that have now done recounts, yeah. and, yeah, Biden still won in those yeah. places. So, here's the thing. Like, I wanted Trump to win, but now that he hasn't, I'm weirdly relieved. Okay. And there's like a photon of hope that maybe things will get boring again. <laughs> God, it's a depressing sign of the times, isn't it? When the best possible outcome is things can be boring at last. Yeah, a return to a kind of normalcy. Yeah. Pre-Obama normalcy. Yeah, where politics wasn't the center of the universe. For yeah, where people didn't derive entertainment from their politics yeah where there was entertainment and then there was politics yeah and now like who knows the difference anymore exactly things nothing can be trusted i trust nothing anymore mm. you can't trust news like nothing everything can be faked yeah especially after seeing the social dilemma it just completely pokes holes through anything you might think is yeah. true yeah genuinely and so i mean social media is a is a black hole i was genuinely thinking like I think we're at the time in history where you have got to decide for your mental, if not mental health, then your mental contentment, um, whether you want to be part of the, I'm speaking slightly hyperbolic language for now, the fight or not. Okay. Because if you've got the stomach for it, absolutely. But if you're just someone who wants a quiet life, you need to get off all social media. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, because I do, I glance at Twitter and like, d- dependent on the day, it can make me irate. Just <laughs> glancing and I go, oh, this is so full of shit. Mm. And not even opinionated stuff, you know, just like, yeah. it's just wrong. Um, so I did have a bit of like a, right, should I stay or should I go moment. <laughs> right. 
because uh, yeah I do think we're at the point now where well, you've got to go well if you go there will be trouble but if I stay Jord there will be double that's true <laughs> that's, it doesn't seem like a um, that much of a dilemma really he's confessing that one of them <laughs> is doubly as bad yes exactly as the yeah. other just go go yeah yeah <laughs> like it's shit both ways but if you stay it's more shit yeah it's like doubly shit, shit. Yeah. yeah um so but yeah but there is a part of me that's like oh god if he's I think I said it before the election if we could guarantee by electing Biden that all the people that despise Trump so much they think they're living in Hitlerian America mm. BLM you know uh Antifa if they would die down because they'd think oh our guy's in now yeah we we'd no longer have to take Hitler out yeah we can just like chill out then I think that's for the better even okay. though I think they're wrong yeah it just gives everyone a time to calm down a bit yeah but the danger obviously is that he kowtows to that and just reinforces it well that was going to be my question is now that Biden has won and now that Biden is in is Biden Hitler now is Biden Hitler yeah because like he yeah he kowtows that sort of stuff like he in his in the debates he's admitted quote unquote admitted yeah um, that there is institutional racism yes. in America and all that all that shit words that did not sit easily on his tongue no because he never heard them before last year no exactly yeah um, but he does represent everything that they're fighting against he is you know white straight sure. male and he is like the system he's been in politics all his life this system that he is again quote unquote outed yeah. as institutionally racist mm-hmm. he is now the hood ornament of that system right so will it be a case of like right we've got you in power now Biden we got rid of Trump we don't need to worry about him anymore mm. so let's talk about you know your sexual misconduct um, charges let's talk about this whole like whatever this business with your son and Ukraine is let's yeah. talk about the fact that you're cis white gendered and mm-hmm. you know this Kamal Harris you know the first black woman vice president is playing second fiddle to you mm-hmm. like is he going to become the enemy now no Okay. With Why the, is he not going to become the Well, enemy? with a very radical contingent, yes. The people who are like, if you are white and a man, then yeah, like you are just part of a problem. Mm. And yes, of course. But he's not Trump. No. Is the thing. And I feel like whenever people would level th- things about Trump at me, I go, I 100% agree with you on every count, basically, about his impropriety and his yeah. bullishness and all that sort of thing. But he's not Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that was you know. So I and feel it's, like it's now that, but with Biden, right? It's like, yeah, I agree with you about Biden, but he's not Trump. But he's not Trump, and yeah. I think that will be enough for most people. It'll be enough now, but like yeah. three years from now, will it still be? Enough? That's the thing; it's got to wear off. People have to sort of forget about Trump. I don't know how long that's going to take, though. Is the thing <laughs> he left quite an imprint? He certainly has, and yeah. also he's like he's definitely going to run again, right? He has to, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, there's no way he's gonna like. I no, I'm gonna do my two terms. Yeah, exactly. Three. Yeah, <laughs> the first three-term yeah. president. No, there has been a three-term president before. I think. Oh, like right, okay. oh you'll have to do four president. then. You have to do four. Yeah. Yeah. Longest president ever. <laughs> yeah, I've got the longest. I've got, I've got the longest terms. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's what I just. I want. A, I want a boring world, George. Yeah. I want great entertainment. And a boring world. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> is that so much to ask for? It shouldn't be, should it? No. Did any, nobody cared about 
politics before Obama? That's the question, right? Because yeah. we're in our mid-twenties now. Yeah. So pre-Obama politics, we were children, basically. Yeah, I, I know. Politics we, literally meant nothing to us. Oh, yeah, of course. And we can't give a, a totally fair analysis. And Bush predated Obama. And yeah. There was a lot about Bush. You know, I, as a kid, you heard a lot about George Bush. You heard a lot about George Bush. But again, this might be just looking at it through the prism of being a child. But mm. you made fun of George Bush's mannerisms. His face. And yeah. his face and yeah. his voice and the fact that he fumbled over his words a mm-hmm. lot. You didn't make fun of his ideology or his policy. Yeah. But did they? I'm did sure they, they make did. fun of it and we just didn't pick up Yeah, on yeah, it. the Daily Show. You know, all that stuff is out there. Satire and political yeah. commentary. Especially like 9-11. Like, I imagine around the time of 9-11, people were very vocal about what they thought of George Bush. Yeah. Um, that, what, the the thing in the school where he's reading the book to the kids. Yeah. That's been the centre of conversation for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like how he should have conducted himself or did he do it the right way and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yes, but now we live in the age of social media and yeah even though there was I'm sure you know to say nobody cared about politics is obviously not true Mm. they've always been politicos and insider political and I'm sure if I was my age in the 90s I would be very interested in Mm. politics but most people didn't have to hear about it all the time yes and I think that's what's changed right yeah Trump 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 constantly 24 7 all the time yeah and i was listening to a podcast with eric weinstein and he said before the election um one of the opportunity costs is that if trump does get elected again uh then a lot of really smart people are going to have to spend the next four years talking about his latest tweet again yeah um so that's good that maybe that won't be the case now that they, they can get back to thinking about the important things okay and not donald trump's um, manner yeah you know but they'll have to talk about it again in four years time yeah but give us four years off <laughs> give us four years off Do, yeah I, I mean you know he hasn't even been sworn into office yet so it's impossible no. to, it would be, be dead by then he'll be dead by then yeah <laughs> but it'd be pure speculation to talk about what a Biden pres- presidency is going to be mm. what it's going to look like it's so interesting isn't it because he's there's a great thing that Christopher Hitchens used to say all the time when he's promoting God is not great, I think. And he would equate uh, belief in God to North Korea. He would say they're very similar because in North Korea, you've got the Trinity, you've got the grandfather, the father, and, you know, um, the great-grandfather. You've got that Trinity. You've got the fact that they worship basically the first leader, the first Kim, Mm. um, who is still officially the head of the state, I think. Yeah. Um, I think so, and the thing he always used to say is it's a necrocracy. Like that was the word he invented for it. And I joked about that when Biden, uh, when he won the elections, like, oh, so commenceth the necrocracy, right? Because how old he is. But you've got that on the one side, the kind of the zombie goober thing of Biden, <laughs> and then if he goes, it gets replaced by a young black woman, yeah, who's pretty radical. Yeah. So those two together is quite like all. It's like old money and new money almost. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, so now that Biden has been elected, I really, really hope that he stays president for the next four years. <laughs> Just four years, right? Just four years. Eight is asking too much. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it's if it's a presidency where like just nothing happens, the best presidents of all time, like Lincoln, accepted and stuff, uh, did very little. Okay. 
Well, they just kept it ticking over. I think Kennedy's considered broadly to be a great president, right? And I think he did things. What did he do? Well, things. What? I'm asking you, did he oh, do right. things? Um, well, yeah, I'm sure, but I mean... Because like, I'm one of those plebs who knows Kennedy because he was murdered. No, but that's it. People know him because he was assassinated. But I feel like everyone liked him. Well, he represented um, optimism, I think, because okay. he he said in... I don't know much about like what he did as a president, mm. but I know he said in like 60... Early 60s, by the end of this decade, we will put a, put a man on the moon. Mm. And when he said that, he had absolutely no cause to say it. Yeah. There was no workable thing to get to space. Nothing. Mm. Didn't exist. The space program didn't exist. He just said that we're going to do it. Yeah. And then they did it. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, he was a philanderer and, uh, you know, all these other oh, things. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, enough people have said that if Kennedy had not been assassinated, mm. like all of that stuff would have come out and he would have probably been disgraced. Well, it's interesting because I think he was the first Catholic president because I remember them going on about Joe Biden would only be the second Catholic president. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's a very apt comparison. Uh, yeah, as if that means anything no. to anyone. But I think I pointed out before, Kennedy died in office. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So the comparison might be very yeah. opposite. Hmm. Yeah. Is, that, is that a correlation you want to draw yeah. on there? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Do you similarly, do you share my hopes for a boring world? That nothing will happen. Yeah. The thing that I'm worried about there is that if it's a very boring presidency, yeah. because it's been a very not boring presidency for the last four years, mm. people will look at the boring and go, oh, it, was, it wasn't Trump. It wasn't yeah. like constant bullshit every day. Uh. It wasn't people arguing constantly. Nothing happened. Yeah. Therefore, Biden was a great president because right. everyone kind of shut up. Yeah. And things, some things happened, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm worried that, that he will be committed to the history books as, like, one of the great oh, yeah. political minds because he dethroned the tyrant Donald Trump yeah. and he united the nation. When in reality, everyone was just, like, everyone just went to sleep because yeah. there was nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I mean, you know, who knows? But, like, I think he's, a lot of people have said he's a lot more center than he's been... Um, making out in, yeah. in debates and stuff. He's going to govern more from the centre. I mean, as long as he doesn't, he's not excusing Black Lives Matter, Antifa, you know, things like that, then I don't really care, you know? Do I you, sort of don't care. Is he the type of president that would sort of, like, he appealed to a certain demographic uh, during the election because mm. he knew that's what would get him back in office well I say back in office he would get his party back in office yeah and now that he's in the White House he's like right I'm just going to do my own thing now whether yeah. it works against the people who voted me in or not I'm just going to do what I think is right mm -hmm. do you think he's one of those presidents or do you think he's going to be like right well I have to stick to my guns I have to do this shit even if I don't agree with it because they're the people who got me in well it's often been said about Biden that he he, he blows in the, the the direction of the wind yeah so because um, that's the other thing as well the people who voted Biden are the people who are quote unquote right mm. they're the people who are seen as the good guys the left are the yeah. good guys mm. so I don't think a president would want to do something that helped the bad guys would he? no yeah I don't know I just uh, I think he should govern well, I don't know actually because I don't know what that would mean he should govern like he's not going to get a second term because he probably won't yeah he should, so in that respect he, sh he shouldn't have to keep any promises um, 
Because the thing with the president, right, the first term, it's always, right, how do we get a second term? Yeah. Everything is geared towards that. Mm. I think it'd be healthy for a president to run on the thing of, I'm only going to do one term, yeah. so I'm going to do what I think is right. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to win anyone's approval. It's it's that, um, like, writing advice you get, isn't it? Like, write this episode or write this film like it's the only one you're going to write. Yeah. This yeah. season of your TV show, it's the only season you're going to get. It's going to end. So ha- this, yeah. put all your good ideas in this. Yeah. And then, if it's good, maybe you'll get a second season. But don't, like don't do like you know Terminator Genesis where it's yes. like oh this is going to be a trilogy and then the first film bombed because yeah. nothing happened they're like right get rid of that shit then yes yeah pull your good ideas into this term Biden if you have any yeah. just do them now because <laughs> you might not have that long yeah but yeah we won't have to be hearing about Donald Trump well unless oh we will we will because he's going to keep this is the post-mortem of the Trump era now he's thinking isn't he he's, he's setting something up his own media his own his own social media company oh Jesus okay yeah oh is that that one that's been memed a bunch where it's like they don't fact check anything oh I don't know because obviously like that meme has been uh, circulated and perpetuated by people who um, are again a quote unquote on the right side of history Mm. in that they are left leaning yeah ironically yeah um and yeah, it's like, oh, all, all the grandpas who are racist, they want to go over to this new social media platform because mm. they don't get fact-checked. Right. Even though, you know, like Trump's, like all of Trump's tweets from a, like election night were deleted by Twitter. Yeah. Because it was all speculation. And I think a lot of it ended up being speculation. Yeah. Like th- there was, a, you know, there were places where tomfoolery did seem to be afoot. Mm-hmm. And there are places that where it still feels like tomfoolery is afoot. Mm-hmm. Certainly not enough tomfoolery to get Biden out of office, I yeah. don't think. But, uh, yeah, this is not going to be the end of Donald Trump. Mainly because Donald Trump will not make sure it's not the end of Donald Indeed. Trump. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. that There's been, like, I saw Armando Iannucci. Um, he tweeted something like, after today, I'm unfollowing Donald Trump on Twitter. <laughs> right. Uh, and I recommend you do the same. People aren't going to do that. No. These people aren't going to do that. No, they? no. Pe- I think more people might follow him when he's out of office. Um but yeah, the next four years is going to be let's forget about Donald Trump. Like, ignore him. Ignore what he's doing now. Um, you see this tweet? I'm retweeting this tweet of Donald Trump. Ignore this tweet. Yeah. Because I've literally yeah. seen shit I like know. that. Yeah. Where people are like... Um, the the dissonance of it. Yeah, there's like a guy who retweeted a politician. Like the... Poli- I can't remember exactly what it was pertaining to. But this politician was like... He gave this formal apology on Twitter. Because mm. he did something and then he was like, oh, that was wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. Please retweet my apology. Yes. So that people can see that I'm remorseful. Yeah. And then this like... This writer or celebrity retweeted it and said, don't retweet this. Yes. And then someone in my friend group, like on my friend list in social media, yep. retweeted the retweet and was like, yes, I agree. Don't retweet this. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you not see what you're doing here? Yeah. Do you not see the irony in what's happening? It was weird because it was wrapped in a few layers, wasn't it? Because, yeah, the guy said, please retweet my apology. Yeah. And then someone had read that, assuming that it was an embarrassed, like he had embarrassingly confessed yeah and it said oh please don't retweet this man he hates it when you see um yeah it was, what embarrassing yeah, stuff it was he written does like he was like sarcastically like yeah, yeah. oh this guy you know he hates being reminded of how yeah and he then everyone's was, reminded was, of this thing that he's apologizing for. yeah yeah I, all completely forget, not reading that last sentence yeah. yeah well at the moment the conservative intelligentsia such as it is the move now seems to be right 
the New York Times, all the papers you trusted are, are done. Okay. They they are they are not reputable anymore. Right. Um, you media that produces film and television, uh, they all have agendas. You can't, you know, um, they're all morally bankrupt now. Basically, who was the actress who posted a tweet of her holding a, a bloody Donald Trump head? Oh, I have no idea. I I don't I can't remember the name of the actress, but yeah, she was she tweeted a picture of herself on election night, right, holding this like Donald Trump head that was like coated in blood, right. It's like really, you're really just gonna put this out there, yeah. So the move at the moment is like, yeah, ABC, CBS, you know, all their news channels and their entertainment channels is just propaganda. Yeah. So the next four years seems to be the push to create the alternatives. So like Ben Shapiro, his company are now uh, also, um, they're branching into entertainment. Okay. I don't know what their plan is does or what that's going to look like. that we need to send a couple of scripts over to Shapiro? Yes, it does. <laughs> Yes, it does. I was genuinely thinking that. Like, yeah, it would be great. Like, I, I wouldn't want to write conservative shows because I don't yeah. even don't really know what that is. But just shows where none of the left bullshit mattered. It was just about the story. The and, thing like, is, that was like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of happy that like there are specific, like, oh, it's clear that you're only giving a voice to certain people. So let's yeah. create an organization over here that's giving a voice to the people that you're taking the voice away from. Mm-hmm. But also that is literally segregation, right? It's like the left go over here, the right go over here, never the twain shall meet. It's like you I, don't just- think, I don't think the idea is uh, this is just for the right wing. No, no, yeah. no, no. And I, it, yeah, it's probably, well, I mean, he was, Ben Shapiro was the guy who said that um, if a n- news outlet says that they're impartial, yeah. they're being dishonest. Yes. Because everyone has an agenda. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how he's framing this entertainment company, whether he's saying that oh, it's no. like, it's you know it's for right-leaning people or it's we are going to try and cut out the bullshit no i think i don't know but his thing has always been it's not like the the abc cbs they're all lefty they're for lefty people Mm. it's more just like you can't trust them yeah and and all of their shows are now infused with wokeness crucially yeah Yeah. so i don't think it's necessarily oh yeah we're going to be doing conservative shows Mm. I don't. It might just be we're just going to be doing shows. It's going to be about how good they are. Yeah. Any wokeness, but yes, at the same time, he said, you know, is the first to say, um, this is a conservative news organization. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we lie. It just means that we have a uh, a viewpoint. We have a, a yeah. bias, if you will, uh, a worldview. And he said, I don't mind. Um, there's nothing wrong with being a journalist as long as you're upfront about where you're coming from. Yeah. And yeah, I the the idea that you can be an impartial news anchor uh, is manifestly untrue. Because have you seen the so-called impartial <laughs> news anchors? Yeah, they just talk to camera about who you, who you need to vote for. Yeah. So in this news anchor's opinion, blah 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 blah. Last thing I would like the, the most successful conservative quote unquote show is considered broadly twenty four because. <laughs> right. Even though it's not a conservative show, it's not made by conservatives. Um, it, its depiction of certain things was very just kind of raw and upfront and on the nose. Yeah, you know, it's like torture. Was thing the thing is like Twenty Four came under fire because of its uh, use of Jack Bauer's use of torture to extract information. But then, like the fourth season, they try and deal with that. Like him doing that causes. 
that there are consequences that okay. lead to worse things down the road, that sort of thing. Same thing with Homeland. I've said it before. They kind of felt the need to apologize after a while mm-hmm. for themselves. Um, but yeah, honestly, if it was like, <laughs> went to Ben Shapiro and he was like, yeah, we're going to be producing entertainment now. Um, and yeah, frankly, it's going to be with a conservative bent. That doesn't mean we're going to write shows about religious people. Mm. It's just going to try and instill common family values and that sort of... Like, all right. Yeah. I would do that. Yeah. I'd do that. Like, yeah, I write for a company that is on its face. It has a conservative leaning. Mm. Uh, and you write for the for the one that has the radical left leaning. That's maybe, fine. Maybe his network will bring back the traditional family sitcom. Maybe. Yeah. You just, you know, it's only just died and now it's all, <laughs> his company will bring it back. But that's, that seems like a fairly decent fit. Again, knowing nothing about his network, I would imagine... I could envision a show like that showing yeah. up in, like, his first, you know, the first wave of shows. It's like, yeah. oh, here's, like, a safe, comfortable family sitcom. Well, the interesting thing is, like, Modern Family, I think, is something that could be on Shapiro's, I think. Because here's the thing. It's got a gay married couple in it, mm-hmm. right? But the, the interesting thing about it is that whenever we see these shows because they're they're produced by these kind of mega corporations you never know what the guy in charge thinks about any one issue Mm. unless he's a a, like a um a public figure who talks about that stuff yeah yeah. that would be the difference right is that if daily wire started producing tv Mm. you would know where the guy the ceo stands on every issue yes because he's done his own show for yeah his show that is like out predated the network by a significant margin that would be really interesting the kind of transparency of that how like how much Ben Shapiro is out there like how how much of his life has been uh, televised for lack of a better word broadcasted would be a better word I suppose well he's I think he became he was the youngest nationally syndicated column writer when he was in university I think okay 16 or 17 right and then he wrote his first book when he was in university mm-hmm. and became famous, a bit famous after that. And I think Piers Morgan, the Piers Morgan interview was when he blew up. Right, okay. Um, and he's a young guy, he's like in his 30s. So yeah, yeah. yeah, he's been around for a, a long, like half his life maybe. Okay. Has been in the public So much eye. Ben Shapiro. A lot of Ben Shapiro. Yeah. And there's a lot of Ben Shapiro. You yes. Know, when he talks, there's a lot of him. Yes. But no, I'd be, you know, it's like you can do the kind of show you want just we're not going to put up with any of the woke stuff yeah yeah you do shows about gay drug addicts like yeah whatever you want yeah yeah like it's entertainment or if you're going to do the woke stuff you have to have, you have to justify yourself yeah yeah you have to have a reason you can't just do it because it's trendy yes there has to be you have to have something to say about it yeah that we feel is like oh yeah that's an interesting angle yeah or that's something that I feel like needs to be said it's not just here's another show about the gays yeah because everybody likes the gays at the moment this is the thing though right it's just the reality is every single company that makes television does exactly that yeah right that's one of the things I hate about it the most it's not it's not that like it's not that that ideology is being perpetuated it's Mm. that it's being done cynically it's being done to give the appearance that we care like these corporations yeah. care I mean yeah yeah well, the idea that the Daily Wire uh, would start producing its own entertainment seems more insidious because it's conservative and that somehow seems because they're saying they're conservative yeah when ABC they're impartial CBS is impartial yeah. 
But there's always got to be someone who's writing the checks and signing on the dotted line. Well, Daily Wire are being more honest about it, aren't they? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Being upfront about it. Everyone works for those companies. They're just honest about their bias. That's all. Mm. Um, yeah, so I would very happily um, work for... I mean, I don't know. At the minute, it's just like we're branching into entertainment. Yeah. I don't know whether that means it's going to be web, like 10-minute things. Oh, like they're going to do... Like they're going to try and do Quibi. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I, I, probably... I wouldn't. I wouldn't write for it if it was trying to do Quibi. Oh, we God, saw no. how Quibi no, turned no. out. I mean, I would. If I, it was like come and write for a bench, yeah, I would. I absolutely. Yeah, but not would. if it's Quibi. What could you do if it's Quibi? But you, you're saying you turn it down. If bench is like, okay, we're, we're doing ten minute episode television show. I'd say no. You're <laughs> doing sixty minutes. <laughs> this thing. He probably. It's a very successful company, and I'm sure he's got a lot of people who would want to invest. But. Um, he probably doesn't have the capital to make a proper TV show. Not on his own. As no, I mean, say, the it's, company, about, it's yeah. about who would want to invest in it. Like, he's yeah. probably accumulated a lot of friends. Is he part of the intellectual dark web? Yeah, such he's, as it is. Yeah, he's probably got a lot of friends there mm-hmm. that might either have capital or know people that have capital. Yeah. Um, is this an adequate segue into Jordan Peterson? Sure. Yeah. He's back. He's back. Yeah, that's kind of it, really. Yeah, I was going to bring him up anyway because yeah. was it him, him and somebody else who were they were trying to um, create an alternative to Patreon? Oh yeah, because obviously so. they yeah. they abandoned Patreon a while back. Oh, who was it? Somebody got banned from Patreon for radical views that weren't in the least bit radical, or at least they weren't. <laughs> maybe oh, not Sargon of a Cat. Sargon of a Cat yeah. got banned from Patreon. Um, Maybe not in the least... Yeah, maybe it's a bit soft to say they weren't in the least bit radical. Well, he's not radical. He's a an old... He's a classical liberal and a shit poster. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, they were a bit like, oh, we're not, we're not sure if we want this. Yeah. So they got rid of oh, him. I think he did run um, as an hour of UKIP, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so, in Ponty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we fucking missed him. Yeah, we missed him. Bastard. He didn't, he didn't even tell us. <laughs> um... So yeah, Patreon were like, yeah, we're all right. We yeah. don't need this. So they got rid of him. As such, Jordan Peterson and a bunch of other people left Patreon. Yes. And they were like, right, we're going to come up with a fairer alternative that doesn't cow to, you yes. know, what people want or what people mm-hmm. think or anything like that. Um, and then obviously he had to step away for a while. I don't know how far into development it is, mm-hmm. if it is still in development. Um, but yeah, now that he's kind of back, I don't know whether that's going to... Things are going to start picking up again? Well, his new book is due out in March. Okay. Is that something he's been doing while he's away, or has he just been getting better? I think he started writing it before he fell ill, and then he got to a point where he was he felt healthy enough to start working on it again. I see. So he said, like, I think the, the first big step in his uh, returning to health was, um, I can... I can write now. Okay. Like, I can't go out and do much, but, yeah. like, I can sit down and write. Yeah. Think and write. So, yeah, his new book is due out on the 2nd of March. Okay. We'll be buying it. Okay. Um, do we know, is what is it? Is it, like, it's, 10 uh, more rules of life? Yeah. Oh, it's literally it's, 10 uh, more rules uh, for It's life. called Beyond Order, 12 more rules for life. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll read, I'll buy whatever he writes, yeah. frankly. But, uh... Don't take pills? <laughs> is that probably... <laughs> yeah, probably. probably be in there. Uh, yeah, that and I'm going to get The Madness of Crowds, which I'm really looking forward to reading by Douglas Murray. Okay. But, uh, yeah, he's cautiously returned. Um, yeah, you've got him trying to set up the alternative to the alternate to Patreon. You've got Shapiro setting up his own entertainment network. I feel like there's a new social media 
uh, website app that is like, we are not Twitter. That's their thing. I think that might be the thing that's being memed. Okay. I can't remember its name, so I wouldn't be able to check. But Okay. And I feel like yeah. the equivalent, the replacement for like the New York Times and hard-hitting conversations, it's, it's now podcasts. Yeah. Not this one. No. <laughs> but that is the place for now. Three, four hours... Three, four hours, less than two smart people work out their differences. Yeah, it's it? definitely yeah. not us. No, it's not us. No. No, it's not. Love to be invited on, Eric. <laughs> but uh, probably not quite up to Yeah, the, you might have to train us up before yeah, we... we not quite oh, then again, prepared for that. Is he the one who had Riley Reid? Yes. Well, if you if you could cope with us. Yeah. If, if you've had Riley Reid on. True, yeah. Those, I would like to think we're more intellectually... <laughs> Uh, there than Riley Reed. The problem is she's successful as a thing. Well, she's successful and she's got a completely different uh, life experience. That somewhat, yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. There's a, there's a collision of worlds there that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if the execution of that podcast capitalizes on how interesting the difference was. No, because one is clearly operating on a much higher level than the other. Yeah, um, but yeah, I suppose that would be our downfall: is that we're not on his level, but we're also mm. not different enough. Yeah. That it would be an interesting enough yes. conversation or an interesting enough spectacle, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, Pit- fucking pitching ourselves for Eric Weinstein's podcast. I know. No, I know, I know. But he could talk. Let's say when Justin Bieber first became a megastar, mm. he would be someone good to talk to on the podcast because even though he's not going to offer anything particularly intelligent, yeah. just like, oh, this is what this guy sounds like in a conversation yeah. you know what I mean like, yeah. so that that was the interesting thing about Riley Reed was yeah okay she's not gonna bring her A game you know uh, mentally mm. but she is a very successful porn star yeah and how what does that sound like in a conversation with Eric Weinstein yes turns out not much of anything <laughs> uh, there must be at least one smart porn star right Oh, I'm sure. Oh, there is one. Mercedes something? Oh, is she the one who's like... Yeah, she does campaigning for... Yeah, something. yeah. Or, or like a lot of charity work. Not I remember her listening to her and, and she was fairly erudite. Yeah. was she? Is she the one who's like campaigning for... She's campaigning for women's rights, but that's landed her in hot water with the left. Trans rights, is it? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Like, I think she's feminist, but she's a, the wrong type of feminist. She's an old-school feminist, is she? I think so. I could be completely wrong about okay. that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so, welcome back, Jordan Peterson. Yes. Uh, look forward to seeing what you do next. Yeah. Um, how, how much do you think we need him now? Oh. Because we've needed him for a while, but now that Trump's on his way out, Biden's coming in, mm. things might calm down. We've no idea. But well, if, the, if things are on a course of calming down a bit... Mm. Like, is Jordan Peterson as necessary as he has previously been? Well, the left is going to remain the left. It's going to remain the left, yeah. So... But uh, will we just be in a holding pattern where, like, you know, white men don't become any more evil than they already are? Like, you're evil, but you're just... Yes, but I I think the wokeness thing is not going to die down. Realistically, it's not going to die down. I think that... um, You know, like, when after George Floyd got killed, and within a week, they were taking down blackface episodes? Yeah as if there was a as if that wasn't a non sequitur <laughs> um, it's like all the um, activists are just shoving everything they can while there's a window of opportunity through their ideological yeah. you know, from the ide- ideological trough mm. um, 
And I feel like with Biden in power, it's going to be four years of that. Yeah. Of, oh, what can we do now? What can we get through that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, he is going to be necessary. And um, I sort of, when he was at his peak, 2017, 2018, of fame, and I was, like, listening to him a lot, I half-joked saying he's basically the, the Jesus of the modern age. Right. And I just wonder what his crucifixion is going to look like mm. because no one like that is they're gonna they're not gonna let him live, mm. you know. Yeah, interpret that how you speaking. will. Yeah, and then that he had that horrible health crisis. Was oh god, this is it. Yeah. This is what it was. But he's back. So like touch words. Second coming. Second coming. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but Jesus never. Oh my, he's better than Jesus. <laughs> Because Jesus never came back. You hear it here first, yeah. folks. Jordan Peterson is better than Jesus. Uh, yeah, I'm very happy he's back. I've seen him do... He was on his daughter's podcast, just those two. Mm. And then one of the more recent episodes, he's kind of interviewing Coleman Hughes. And he seems there again. Okay. So, yes. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. 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 All right. Um, well, I just want to quickly mention the film. Go on. Uh, not really do a full review. It's called Uncle Frank. Okay. Um, so it's it's a film by Alan Ball, who wrote American Beauty and created Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed this film as well. Uh, it's set in the 60s, and it's about a young girl from a Southern family, very traditional Southern family, who goes off to college in New York, where her uncle is a lecturer, played by Paul Bettany. Uh, and she finds out that he's gay mm-hmm. uh, and he has a long-term boyfriend and then the patriarch of the family dies Paul Bettany's father and he and his niece drive uh, across America to go home for the funeral and the boyfriend tags along a half because like he uh, wants to support Paul Bettany and be there for him and half because he like he arrogantly wants to meet the family right. like insisting on meeting the family yeah. uh, but mainly to be there for his boyfriend and it's a, it's a really kind of light, but really well-written little drama. It's reminded me of Green Book. It's it's the gay Green Book. Okay. What Green Book was to race, this is to homosexuality. Yeah, yeah you've even kind of got the road trip element in there. Even got bit. the road trip element. And the 60s, like it's, you know. Okay. Uh, Queen Book. <laughs> Queen Book. Queen Book. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but no, it is. It was just a really nice little film and like an old-fashioned uh, Oscar film in a way it, it won't do anything anything of the awards I don't think it's quite small but um, where it was like it's set in a time where there was a lot of intolerance mm. and then he comes out and the family are mostly accepting at the end with a with an exception you know but yeah I recommend it it was just a really it was the right type of in the way that we liked Green Book for its kind of simplicity in a way mm this is this is that version for um gay okay and uh yeah like a kind of film can't remember if there's anything too profane in it but it's the kind of film you could show in um re okay y- you know well, yeah well, i suppose they wouldn't do it in re certainly, <laughs> but, you know in like a social studies class yeah family it. friendly yeah like, it's of. the family friendly gay intolerance film yeah yeah, yeah. um I'm trying. I am trying to think if there's anything really dark in it. I mean, he, if thematically it's dark. Like his father hates him, and when he they get home, and his father's the only one that knew he was gay and kind of disowned him for it. 
and when they're at the reading of the father's will he says I, le- I bequeath this to my daughter this to my wife the only thing I leave my son is um, the the like knowledge that I despise him and all right. that sort of stuff okay. and then he tries to kill himself yeah. so it, it, there is dark stuff in there but yeah because from Alan Ball as well he like six feet under uh, there was a gay couple in that mm-hmm. I think widely credited as like the first one, one of the first gay couples on TV that sort of made people comfortable with the idea okay. of gay couples um, as fractious as that relationship is in, in Six Feet Well, I think it's its authenticity that yeah. sells it to people, yes. isn't it? It's a real relationship. Very real, yeah. yeah. And uh, the Paul Bettany's lover in this film is played by Alan Ball's real life, I guess, husband, or maybe just lover. Okay. Um, who plays a role in Six Feet Under as a very boisterous uh, art lecture. Yeah, I remember, I remember yeah. him. I remember what was his name? Guy. I can't. I, I, I think I purposely phased him Oh, out. yeah, he's so annoying. Yeah. And I assumed, oh, that's him. Yeah. But he's so different in this film. Okay. He's like a really nice, beardy, like, older man. Okay. He's, you know, um, maybe he's just grown up or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would recommend it. Uncle Frank. Okay. It's, I think it's on Amazon. So it's sort of a comfortable... Comfortable, but, but not, you know, it's got bite where it needs to. Yeah. But uh, a nice little short, well-written film. Okay. Yeah. I suppose that's all you can ask for, really. Indeed. Do you want to review your next film? Oh, yeah. Okay. I had another review to do. Um, Are you familiar with the film Fat Man? I'm familiar with the poster. If you say anything along the lines of, oh, did you look in a mirror? Right. I'm going to come over there and sit on you. (laughs) Okay. You just... But you just dissed yourself there. Yeah. Because I knew you would... (laughs) You would use that as an opportunity. You would use my saying, don't take this as an opportunity, yeah. as an opportunity. Yeah, okay. So I did the thing where it's like, I made fun of myself first. Okay. Don't you feel stupid? Don't make this any heavier than it has to be. He's done it or He's done it anyway. <laughs> You're fucking hearing this, audience. <laughs> okay, uh, no. The film Fat Man, I am familiar with the poster, and I am familiar with a very uh, surface-level premise. okay. Well, it's a very surface-level premise anyway, I think. Okay. I think. Okay. Uh, well, you'll judge now whether I use that correctly. The film is... Um, it's a... It's a thriller? Okay. I think. I think it's a thriller. Did it thrill you? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. It stars Mel Gibson. Yes. And Walton Goggins. Yeah, on the poster, Mel Gibson looks like uh, Michael Keaton. He does a bit. Yeah. Yeah, he does a bit. Well, Mel Gibson's got uh, a hefty beard. Yes. I think he does generally now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's got a hefty beard because... <laughs> the the post-Jews suck phase of Gibson's career. <laughs> um, the hefty beard because he's playing Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And Walton Goggins is playing an assassin mm-hmm. who was hired by a kid to kill Santa Claus. Right. That is the premise of the film. High concept. High concept. There's this kid. Um, his name is said in the film. I can't remember what his name is, but he's in Walton Goggins' phone as Little Shit. Right. So we'll call him Little Shit. Okay. Little Shit is this kid who's like... Um, he's a prick, basically. Like, mm-hmm. he has to win at everything. Right. And he's like... Um, he lives in this like mansion with his dying grandmother and his father's like filthy rich but like we never see him because he's always away eloping with women Mm -hmm. Um, and he has like a staff this kid has a staff who do all of his chores for him and everything Um, and he ends up on Santa's naughty list so he gets a lump of coal in his stocking Yeah. and Walton Goggins is this assassin who does odd jobs for this kid anyway 
Okay. One of the first scenes in the film, it like well, the very first time you see the kid, he's got like five ribbons on him that say like best in show. Right. Then we see him at a science fair where he has this like very elaborate um what are they called? Diorama. Diorama, yeah. You didn't even I didn't even have to you just knew. <laughs> yeah. The beauty of, of Be- chemistry. Beauty of ten years. <laughs> Um, yeah, he has this very intricate diorama uh, explaining this very intricate concept. And then there's this girl who has like a much more simpler thing. Mm. And she wins best in show at the science fair. So he hires Walton Goggins to kidnap this girl, <laughs> bring him into his basement where he threatens to like electrocute her. Okay. And like torture her with like a car battery. Right. It's like, you're going to admit that you cheated. Right. And you're going to give me that best in show badge. And she's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Watson Goggins drives her back to her house and he's like, if you breathe a word of this to anyone, I'll kill your mother. I'll kill your father. Have you got a dog? Yeah. I'll kill your dog too. Okay. <laughs> well, I kind of like it already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was yeah. like, all right, again. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's the same with Matt Berry. Like, as soon as I found out Matt Berry's in SpongeBob, I'm like, right, I'm in. Like, mm-hmm. as soon as that scene happened, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm completely with this. Yeah. You find out that Walton Goggins has this sort of obsession with Santa Claus in the sense that he has this sort of side uh, well hobby it's not a side business he has this hobby Mm. where he buys people's old Christmas presents from them okay so there's like a guy who comes in with a baseball bat um, and Walton Goggins is like you got this baseball bat off Santa Claus and he's like yes I did Um, because I wanted to be a a, uh, like an all star uh, baseball player and Walton Goggins is like are you a baseball player and the guy's like well no right he's like oh okay and then he buys the bat off him and he takes it into the back and you see there's all these presents he's clearly bought off people. Okay. Um, so the kid is like, I want you to kill Santa Claus. And Walton Goggins is like, yeah, all right. Right. Um, and then that's the rest of the film is Walton Goggins is trying to hunt down Santa Claus okay. as Santa Claus. Right, so yeah, that's happening. <laughs> Meanwhile, Santa Claus is like doing the Christmas stuff, mm. but he's like jaded and exhausted and he's like, oh, God, no one believes anymore. What's right. the fucking point? Yeah. We're like dirt poor we have no money um and then he's approached by the u.s military (laughs) where they they offer him an out by subcontracting the development of their weapons to his elves okay so santa initially refuses the deal and then realizing that he has literally no money left he accepts the deal from the u.s government right so his um santa's workshop becomes like a base for the US military where they're building weapons okay and that's like what Sa- that's what's going on with Santa yeah well, as this is happening he's like losing all faith in Christmas right and that's sort of the film it's like half of it is kind of Walton Goggins doing his own thing tracking down Santa yeah and being like a menacing assassin yeah and then it's Mel Gibson being all jaded and shit okay um while the US military are kind of there okay well, okay, so it's like an anti-Christmas film, almost. Well, it's come out at a weird time. Like, yeah. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. So it came out, I think, in the middle of November. Mm. So it's in that weird hinterland between October, between Halloween and Christmas. Yeah. Where it's, like, too early to be a Christmas film. The Winterland Hinterland. Winterland Hinterland, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I don't think it was marketed as a Christmas film. It's very un-Christmassy. Okay. There's... Like, he's never in the traditional Santa outfit mm-hmm. in the entire film. The elves, I think they're basically dressed up in traditional worker uniforms. They're not dressed up like elves at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a single, like, uh, strand of tinsel. Like, the North Pole is basically just this cabin in the snow. Right. It's so, like, 
unchristmassy in its presentation like analog christmas yeah and i don't know whether that's part of the like if that's done by design okay because like this film the way i've described it i imagine that you would imagine it's a comedy right well that was gonna be my next question yeah i don't think it is it's not a comedy no well i didn't laugh okay at any how can that premise not be a comedy yes yeah that is the question i do genuinely wonder if they filmed it as like a straightforward thriller Mm. and then kind of realized after the fact that it was ridiculous yeah but even then like they haven't really done anything it's not like it's not like suicide squad where it was clearly like um messed around with in post to make it a different film it feels Mm. like this is the film that they intended to make it just doesn't capitalize on its concept whatsoever the thing is it not only is it inherently absurd Mm. it's stoner absurd it's the oh man what if it was like a movie where like father christmas would you know what i mean yeah it's that kind of easy it's funny it's yeah it it doesn't even have that stoner energy to it yeah like it's it has the energy of a straight to dvd yeah like action film where it's straight to vod right straight to vod my mistake no no that, that is what it is right oh it might be i don't know okay um but yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, DVD. it's clearly shot on a low budget. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no like set pieces in the entire film. Like yeah. I think literally the only action scene is the final shootout. And right. even then there's no real memorable action within that scene. It's filmed in like one or two locations. The first half of the film, you only ever see Santa Claus and his wife. Yeah. You never see the sleigh, you never see the reindeer, you never see the elves. It's all talked about. Mm. But it's literally like Santa's like, oh, I'm going to go out for my Christmas Eve... Uh, deliveries now right and then the next scene is he just gets back into bed and it's like oh I did it Christmas happened are they trying to do a thing there so it's like the unseen scenes of Christmas but halfway through yeah you see it all right all of a sudden you see the reindeer shack where the reindeers are you see the elves like all of a sudden halfway through Santa's like head of operations becomes like a secondary character okay or he becomes like a supporting character um He's a weird one. Like, the side characters in this film have basically nothing to do. Right. But Seven, who's the name of the head elf, Uh like, his main function in the film basically seems to be to tell the military how the North Pole operates. Right. Because the military, uh, like, the military guy is like, oh, your name is Seven. And he goes, yes, we we identify each other by numbers. It's more efficient that way. Right. And he's like, okay, what happened to one through six? He goes, oh, we don't reuse numbers. That would be disrespectful. Right. And that seems to be his, like, that's what he does. He's exposition. Yeah. But exposition to no end, because none of this affects the film. It's all just... Elf position. Elf position. (laughs) (laughs) It's all just, like, detail. Yeah. um, To no end. Because it doesn't influence the story, or it doesn't develop character. It's not like, oh, the, the military... Military... The military and Seven develop a bond, because they both have a hard on for, like, efficiency and, you know, workmanship. There's nothing like that. The military just asks a question. He's like, oh, this is the answer. And they go, oh, all right. Okay. Is it, um, goes without saying, this is not a film for children. No, no, it's not. Then how would you do a film about Father Christmas for adults that isn't Bad Santa or the action variant thereof? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this was, maybe this was a genuine attempt to do that. Where, yeah. Because like I said, he's never in the Santa getup. Yeah, yeah. He's just Mel Gibson with a gun. Yeah. Um. So maybe that's the idea. Is you know, He's just going to be this like, drunk jaded old man well it's schlock isn't it 
it's a proper B movie, but it's premise. not even. There's not even enough schlock in it to be schlock. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Uh, the the impression I'm getting of it is that it has on the page the trappings of like an exploitation film. Yeah. Um, over the top city premise, kind of hard boiled dialogue. Um, absurd. Yeah. But in my head, I'm just picturing it. I've seen nothing of this film. Mm. It just looks kind of neutral. Yeah. And not much is happening. That's the thing. I'm 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 wondering if maybe the the absurdity of what's happening is supposed to carry the film. Like, like in that first scene. The with, fact they're taking it so dryly. Yeah, like yeah. like I said, in that first scene where the guy where the, where the young kid is like sparking the car battery mm. as this little girl is looking terrified and Walter Goggins is standing behind her. Yeah, yeah. Like this torture scene is about to take place. Yeah. That the 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 like, oh my god, they're actually doing this. Yeah. That's supposed to carry the film. But the depiction of events is so dry. It's so without style mm-hmm. and so like ordinary that I don't know. I feel like if these events were going to unfold, this is how they would unfold. Okay. Like it's there's no absurdity to it. The film yeah. doesn't present itself absurdly. Right. So because like the way one of the ways the Walton Goggins tracks down Santa Claus is he like goes to he asks this postman. Like, oh, where do you deliver Santa's letters to? And he goes, oh, I deliver them to this guy. Mm. So he goes to that guy. He's like, what happens to the Santa letters? The guy's like, oh, we burn them. He's like, don't fucking lie to me. Right. He's like, oh, okay, we send them to the North Pole. Right. We send them to this P.O. box in, you know, somewhere up north. Mm. That's it, I swear. Mm. And then he tracks them to that post office and then waits outside for Santa to turn up. Right. Like, yeah, that's how it would happen. Yeah. It's such a, like, it's such a boring, ordinary way of, like, yeah. doing that. It's like, yeah. What's what's funny about this? So there are no jokes. No, there. Are mo- I, I, I think there are moments where there's supposed to be jokes. Okay. Like like one of the, one of the um, like Secret Service guys is standing next to a reindeer and it like you know butts its head at the guy. Right. And uh, like Mel Gibson is like, oh, you're lucky that wasn't Blitz and he would have bit your nuts off. So what what what's the interaction between Goggins and Gibson like then? Well, you only see, they only meet up at the finale. Heat, it's like heat. It's like heat, yeah. <laughs> no, they meet up at one point in the middle. Don't yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this film doesn't even have that. Okay. It's literally like Goggins is over here, Gibson is over here, and the, the two don't meet at Never all. Never the twain. Never the twain. Their stories don't even affect each other. Right. It really felt like that's where the film was going. Because, San- yeah, Santa has lost his faith in Christmas. Mm-hmm. But the film does this, I suppose the one interesting aspect of this film is they they draw a connection between the gifts that Santa gives children when they're young Mm. and the professions that they grow up to undertake. Right. So, like, Gibson is, like, in his shack punching, like, a punching bag, Mm. getting all that energy out. Right. And then his wife puts, like, like paper files on his desk and then leaves. And Mm. he looks through those files and there's a picture of a kid who has, like, a toy plastic oven and then a picture of him grown up and he's like a sous chef. Mm. Uh, and there's another one where this like girl has a fire truck and she grew up to be a fire person. Fighter. Fighter, yes. yes. Well, I, I was going to say fireman. I was like, oh, I can't say All fireman because right. <laughs> she's not. I don't get female firefighters. That's a myth. <laughs> um, I believe in Father Christmas before I believe in that. <laughs> yeah, so that's an interesting little thing that the film does. Like at the very beginning with the baseball bat. Mm. Walton Goggins is like, you got this baseball bat from Santa, but you didn't grow up to be a baseball player, did you? Mm. Um, what mode is Goggins in in this film? Well, he's not Shane. 
No, but is and he... I don't, from what I've seen, of, is it Rectify he's in? Or uh, Rectify? Justify. Justify. Yeah, from yeah. what I've seen of that, he's not that either. No, okay. Is he serious, though? I think he's like... Did you see Tomb Raider? No. Did you see Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yes. I think he's that. Okay. Although, actually, he might be crazier in Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's very, like... He's just in it, is he? Yeah, he's just kind of in okay. it. Okay. Like, he shows emotion when he confronts Santa Claus. And there's, like, one scene where... Like, he has a pet hamster. Yeah. Like, nothing becomes of it. It's just, a, like, a character quirk. Yeah. But he goes to a pet shop to buy food for the hamster. And the woman's like, I'm very good at knowing what kind of uh, animal person mm. a person is. And you're a snake person, aren't you? And he goes, no, I have a hamster. He's like, no, you like snakes. He goes, snakes eat hamsters. Right. Like, no, 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 you like a snake. See this snake that I have? You like this snake. And he goes, you remind me a lot of my mother. She didn't know when to shut the fuck up either. Okay. And like, that's as thing as Goggins gets. The thing, <laughs> Walton Goggins, he's got to be up there with the most callously underused actors working today. Oh, but I'm, what I mean by that, is yeah, great in the shield. Yes. Great in justified. Yes. Like Emmy nominated and stuff like that. I'm not saying he's been um like he hasn't had his chance. Yeah, he's not underrated. Yeah. Right. Um and he's in the Hateful Eight and he's pretty much the best thing about the Hateful Eight. Yeah. Um and he's he's broken into mainstream cinema by mm. playing villains in studio films. Yeah. But never good ones. He's never had his thing. As great as Shane is and as mm. great as He's even more um, of, a, of an entity and justified. It's sort of like a two-hander, and he's one of them. Um, he's never had his leading thing, you know? Is he a leading man, though? Well, the thing is, he's branched into comedy, right? So yeah. he's in that uh, Danny McBride comedy, and now he's the lead in a fairly um, asinine, middle-of-the-road sitcom called The Unicorn. Okay. Where he plays like a dad who's uh, recently widowed. Right. has to raise his kids on his own. Okay. It's a, you know, a heartwarming family comedy sort of thing. Right. But it's like, and he's good. He's not bad. He's a fairly decent comedy actor, but it's not what he should be doing. Mm. Remember, you know the show Rectify? You yeah. Ha- we haven't watched it yet, but um, that role was written for him, but he couldn't do it, I think, because of Justified. Okay. It's like, that would have been his, his role. Yeah. You know? And I want that for Walton Goggins because I, <laughs> I I love Walton Goggins yeah. and everything, and he's brilliant. Okay, but I'm not going to watch Fat Man because it sounds like I would be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, so this thing about the the film is drawing a parallel between the presents they get when they're young and the professions yeah. they undertake when they're older. Uh, well, you find out at the very end because Walton Goggins is holding onto this police car mm. that he seems to like cherish, right. and you find out that that was the only gift Santa ever gave him. Right. Um, He's a cunt as a kid, was he? <laughs> well, Santa clearly didn't watch The Shield. Yes. <laughs> I think Shane is... Like, we're, we're much safer with Walton Goggins as an assassin as we are with him as a cop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you've seen yes. The Shield. Um, but yeah, that seems like... That's one of those things you put in a film. Basically, the direction I thought it was going was... Like, Walton Goggins would confront Santa. When I found out that that police car was the only gift Santa ever gave him, mm. I was like, oh, okay, the point is going to be... Goggins is going to... Uh, attempt to kill Santa mm. Santa will prevail mm. and the lesson that Santa will take away from this is oh I do need to sort of rekindle my faith in Christmas yeah because it's incredibly important that I keep children on the right track yeah like Walton Goggins I did not is he the villain then Goggins yeah yeah oh right okay 
Oh, I've been thinking about it completely the wrong way then. Oh, right, okay. Oh, yeah, the kid that he's working for is a cunt. Like, oh, straight right. up a cunt. We don't like him. So, f- Santa is the main character. I think it's kind of a two-hander. Okay, see, I envisaged it as we were following Goggins, trying to hunt down Santa, thinking Santa's like a bastard. Oh, right. And Goggins is like, yeah, it's like a dark comedy premise, but we're like, we're with him as he tracks oh, him no, down. Oh, no, no. Yeah, well, Goggins is straight up the villain. There's Ishiger. no ambiguity. Ishiger. Yeah. Trying to hunt down Josh Brolin. Okay. Yeah, there's no ambiguity about that. I see. Okay. In that case, I have no idea. Because I thought the ending would be something like he tracks him down and... Like, the fact that someone cares enough to try and kill him... Yeah. ...makes Santa, like, re-believe in himself. Yeah. Oh, I have power. I, uh, you know, I do matter. But the commonality between both of our theories there yeah. is that Santa... Walter, through Walton Goggins' actions... Yeah. ...Santa rediscovers the spirit of Christmas. Yeah. And that was my thing, is that, like... Yeah, I need to, like... Whether it was a case of, oh, the naughty kids need attention as well, otherwise they'll just fly off the rails if we leave them unattended, mm-hmm. or you need to preserve the good within kids because that's something that pays off later in life Mm -hmm. in both cases Goggins being here and doing what he's doing is proof to Santa (laughs) it matters there are consequences there are consequences (laughs) to my actions but Goggins has no influence over Gibson's rediscovery of the Christmas spirit right that that scene I alluded to where his wife puts down photographs of the kids yeah that's what rekindles Santa's spirit right he like brings the files back into his wife and he goes thanks I needed that right and he's just he believes in Christmas again right so, so, when, so when Gorgon shows up he's just kind of a nuisance because Santa <laughs> is like well you're not the first person who came to kill me you right. idiot yeah um, they do like a thing where um, like he shoots Santa in the head so you think oh Santa's dead now uh, but then Walton Goggins gets killed and Santa survives yeah how, uh, how is he killed Walton Goggins, yeah. I think he's shot point blank, not point blank, but he's shot by Santa's wife right. with a shotgun. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, uh. And then the ending is they go to the kid's house, because the kid's not in most of the film. Yeah. I thought he would be the main character, but he's barely in it. Right. Uh, they go to the kid's house, where the kid is, he's been stealing like unwritten checks from his grandmother, his sick grandmother, mm. has been cashing them in his grandmother's name. Right. The grandmother has found out about this, but doesn't know it's him. Yeah. So he's planning to uh, basically um, put, like, sleeping pill... Like, overdose his grandmother on pills. Yeah. So she'll die. And then Santa, like, bursts in with, like, an eye missing. And basically is like, if you fucking send anyone to kill me again... Right. I'll fucking kill you. And the kid's like, yeah, all right. I won't do that again, Santa. Yeah. And that's sort of the film. Okay. Like the el- like the, the final scene is the, the elves because Walton Goggins blew up the wa- the warehouse yeah. and killed all the military, <laughs> and it's just the elves rebuilding Santa's workshop. That's because I assumed that the whole thing of um, the military teaming up with Father Christmas was just a a conceit, so that when you had the final showdown, you'd have a warehouse full of guns and yes. elves using the guns. Exactly. Yeah. But no, Walton okay. Goggins just kills all of the military. In one fell swoop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that you'd, sucks. You'd, why, why are you setting up? That's not what... That's like a billion Chekhov's guns. Yeah. <laughs> Something's got Literally, fired yeah. here. Yeah. And, and like, um, you'd think like, okay, Walton Goggins is... Like, he's a trained assassin and he's clearly capable. Mm. Like, the film has done nothing to show us that he's capable, but he, the film has assured us that he's capable. Mm-hmm. So surely, like, the final act is Walton Goggins... 
infiltrating the military yeah. that are within Santa's workshop. Like, he dresses up as military guys and he tries to get close to Santa. Yeah. Maybe he, like, has a conversation with Santa's head elf mm-hmm. and feels kind of remorseful. Yeah. Uh, but through that, he finds out that, like, you know, Santa's actually not a bad guy, so he's conflicted, but he still has to carry out his mission. No, he just goes into, the like, the workshop, kills off the military one by one. Yeah. Then, like, an elf catches him. And the elf is like, are you with the military? And Walton Goggins, Walton Goggins goes, yes, I am. Right. And the elf just immediately doesn't believe him. So he just blows up the warehouse. Right. There okay. is no there is no third act. The third act is just Walton Goggins going bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Fuck you, Santa. They have a bit of a fight. And then it's over. So when he's killing all the military people, um, is it presented in like a wacky or goofy way? No. <laughs> he's just killing people. No. It's it, taken very seriously. It's very, it's very typical, like, straight-to-video okay. action. Okay. Where it's like a mid-shot of Walton Goggins shooting a gun, cut to someone being shot. Yeah. There's no choreography whatsoever. It's just someone standing there with a gun. Okay. As things happen. What have the reviews been like for this? I don't Do you know what? I genuinely haven't okay. checked reviews. Yeah, I have no idea. No. Um... Yeah, massive disappointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because even now, I'm like, should I? I might watch it just because it's Walton Goggins, really. But yeah, I'm not expecting much. But well, yeah, nothing, yeah, no, yeah, nothing, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Yeah, genuinely, I don't think there's anything. Yeah, well, that's a shame. I guess we'll have to just stick to Kindergarten, not Kindergarten Cop, Jingle All the Way. Jingle again. All the Way. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. just have to watch Jingle All the Way again. Jingle. We should do that actually. Yeah, I want to. <laughs> okay, you've been thinking about that for a well, while. Well, I bought it on DVD. Oh, did you? Like, okay. last year, and now's the time where now's we can watch time. it again. Jingle All The Way, Die Hard, obviously. Mm-hmm. Home Alone, maybe? Uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't as enthused on Home Alone as okay. happy with other ones. Do you know, like, BBC, right? They've just announced their, like, Christmas schedule. Mm. I think on Christmas Eve, right, they're showing Kung Fu Panda... Right. Followed by Kung Fu Panda Holiday, which I think is like a spin-off. Yeah. And then Kung Fu Panda 3. Right. <laughs> Not 2. No Kung Fu Panda 2. Okay. And then Boxing Day, they're showing Madagascar 2. Yeah. And that's it. That's the only <laughs> Madagascar they're showing. What What is the Christmas television this year? Oh, it's literally that. It's literally just filmed. I think Guardians of the Galaxy is on like Christmas Day or something. Right. We got the Doctor Who New Year special. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. There's always a big fat quiz, which I enjoy. Okay. Uh, well, I hope anyway. I haven't done anything yet, but um, would, I, would I like to use back on Christmas Eve? Okay, I think there's a strictly cr- uh, strictly crumb dancing, <laughs> strictly, strictly crumb, crumb dancing, dancing. Just biscuits dancing. <laughs> I think there's a strictly special. There usually is. Jeff King trying to get in. There's only biscuits here. So, <laughs> um, I think question of sport maybe. Are uh, they doing a thing? Are they maybe? I don't know. Shit, basically. Yeah, just okay. like the usual. Like, oh, Stickman's on again. Mm. You know, they, they, it's like it's like the Gruffalo where they made it one year for Christmas. It's like, oh, that's just something we can trot out yeah, yeah. literally every year. So Stickman's back. I mean, who does anyone watch TV? Netflix, isn't it? Over Christmas? I don't know. Is that still a thing? Because obviously Doctor Who was the big draw for a lot of families, I think. You sit down with your family, you watch the Doctor Who Christmas special mm. at like half past five. Right. Um... I think the Voyage of the Damned is still the highest. It's got like 14 million views. Mm. It's still the best. Is that episode. the Kylie one? Yeah, the Kylie yeah, one. Yeah. Although that was probably because Kylie Minogue was in it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that... Do families do that anymore? Do they like, oh, we're going to sit down at this time and watch this show on Christmas Day? I don't know. I mean, it, it's depressing if they don't. 
Because again, there's just something reassuring about Christmas television, isn't there? Yeah. Even if it's the same old crap, like the Vicar of Dibley and... Which they're know. doing, right? Are they? Yeah, they're doing a Vicar of Dibley Zoom special. That's happened, isn't it? Oh, it's happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think that happened already. Yeah. It's just her. Yeah, well, she's like the only one left. They're all well, dead now. No, they're not. That's the thing. Most of them are still alive. Things are dead. Trigger, he's dead. Yeah. And uh, Alice died yes. last year or this year. Um, I think the rest are alive. The father, Hugo, not Hugo. David. Uh, David, surely he's, he's dead. He's still kicking. Yeah. No, yeah, he's he still can't dead. be still alive. Yeah, he's the Gary Walton. You fucking with me. No, no. I think even Frank is still alive. No, I don't oh, believe no. that. I think Frank died last year. Okay. Because he was in Hail Caesar, weirdly enough. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about, um, no, 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 no. Yeah, Jim, yes. I think he's still going. No, nah, I don't believe that. I think he looked like he was a death <laughs> store when the show was on. I know. David is um, Hugo is still yeah Hugo yeah. I think Hugo was in it it was it oh was, was he yeah okay. it was uh, the Vicar of Dibley and Hugo okay Dawn French I couldn't remember Dawn French yeah okay so that's Fat Man that's Fat Man um, I mean if you have like a perverse curiosity I do a bit yeah but you won't you won't like it nah and it's such a shame I think like I, I was trying to think of that like what's the the film before this where I was like the most disappointed mm-hmm. maybe David made a maze not David Dave made a maze oh yeah which was uh, for anyone who doesn't know that was a film with a premise it was um, this guy um, had built like this cardboard maze in yeah. his room yeah so the whole film was sort of taking place within this cardboard maze um, and there were things living within the maze that were sort of coming to life yeah like I think the the, the iconic image of that film is this really buff man with like a cardboard minotaur head. Right. Um, And that seemed like a real, like that seemed like a brilliant, like, oh my God, why isn't like a lower budget film thought of this before? Yeah. It's sort of perfect lower budget material because it's just pure creativity. Mm -hmm. And it was crap. It's like that, is it, was it called Welcome to Marwen? The Steve Carell film that was like all um, model figures in a town. Yeah, I never saw that, but I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, oh, that looks really good. And then I I never thought of it again. It didn't, um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that good. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. The last time I was really disappointed. I tend not to be anymore. Mm. It's you. You could read that whatever way you want. When, yeah, uh, when I say the film I was most disappointed yeah. by, I mean that in the in the res, in the respect. Yeah, I mean that mm. in the sense of like I had no expectations for Dave Made a Maze, yeah. and then I saw the premise, and I was immediately like, "Oh, that's really cool. I want to yeah. see that." Same with Fat Man. It's not like you know, The Dark Knight Rises mm. or The World's End where I had all of these expectations building up to it. It just suddenly came into my life one day. I was like, oh, I really want to see that. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is for me. Yeah. Anything that I that I look forward to, like I know it's going to come, then it's announced. Yeah. And then I follow its news and then always a disappointment. Yeah. Every single time. Um, in recent years with films like Whiplash and Spotlight, I became conscious of them like near to the time when they were coming out like yeah. ooh what are these for mm. didn't know much about them maybe saw a trailer then saw the film and with Parasite I saw nothing about Parasite didn't watch any trailers for it Yeah, I just had a sense that I was going to love it Okay, you know what I mean yeah yeah like I hadn't built it up I had no idea what it was it was just this thing that was out there and then it sort of bobbed into my consciousness yeah and I just knew that I was going to lo- I knew I was going to love Spotlight I just knew I was going to love it mm. it's kind of weird I guess you just watch enough you sort of know yeah you know what you like you know what- but even like yeah 
Not even, not even in like, oh, I like crime dramas, therefore I'm gonna like The Departed. Just in a, a vibe kind of way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I tend not to be disappointed by it. I've learned my lesson okay. now. I am really look, looking forward to The Batman. Yes. Uh, uh, so that's that's going to be a problem if that yes. isn't good. And I and I have been following that, like everything about oh, it. Oh, shit. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that'd be... I mean, the last thing like that was The Dark Knight Rises, and we know how that turned out. Yeah. So At the time, though, it wasn't no, the worst thing. No, at the time, really liked it. And then it fell apart quite quickly. Mm. Yeah. On that, I suppose <laughs> we're done, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um... See you next time. Yes, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> we really need to work on our endings. We do. <laughs> <laughs>